0: <laughs> we are live with a completely unnecessary podcast for wednesday april 2nd 2014 alongside my be hooded and be bearded friend ian ferguson howdy i'm pat country we are your party hosts for this bi-weekly podcast ian what's going on in your world
1: not a whole lot um screwing around making a lot of "Quote unquote music, really just ditties. I've never I, heard like, any of your ditties, by yeah, the way. No I mean, one, ever, no one
0: ever does. Just, they're like private poetry that gets locked. <laughs> yeah, in the it's vault. it's
1: it's like goth poetry that I write inside <laughs> a little notebook and I don't let anyone else in. Um, other than that, you know, busy work, busy planning wedding stuff and wedding stuff. Well, looking forward kind of to WrestleMania this Sunday, not because I think it's going to necessarily be any good, but just because. I can I can watch it. Because we're paying for it because we're so paying for it and it's wrestling. Ho- and hopefully
0: this stream doesn't crash with all the people accessing mm-hmm. it. That's be interesting to see if that's gonna happen or not. It really, right. really will be. Yeah. If it actually stands up, you know. Um what's going on with me? New Path to Indians Punk episode. It's gonna be on the punkeffect.com By the time you listen to this on Thursday, about Thursday, uh, it'll be on the site uh Famicom multi cart frenzy. I always like doing a little wordplay like that. So I'm looking at all my Famicom multi cart. It's the follow up to the Famicom random Famicom fun video from two weeks back. It's the first time I've had two Pat the NES Punk videos within a month two weeks from each other. So that's the old AVGN schedule that Game Trailer's had him on for a year and a half at one point. where He did videos for every two a month for like a year and a half. I don't know how he didn't die, James. Um, and Then I'm going to do another video hopefully out next week that I'm at the right tomorrow. So I've never done that before. i never tried to do that or just concentrated on one video series instead of, of market madness and Ask Frank. But Once I get that video out, I'll probably do an Ask Frank video. I'll probably do uh, a Flea Market Madness, because I haven't done one since like November. It's been like four months, so that's overdue. Um, If you get a third video out on a Flea Market Madness, I bet you people will leave you alone about the
1: podcast stuff for a while, maybe. That's the thing,
0: is that people don't understand that, like, it's not like I ever stopped doing the videos, and would you rather not have any other content on the YouTube channel, and just have the one video every month, or one every three weeks instead, or... You know, I, what, I
1: don't understand how people have such a tough time just ignoring things they don't want to pay attention to. I
0: have trouble every week, every other week. Wee. So the other news is that uh, I am I am not affiliated, at least as a contributor, with Retchware TV anymore. Uh, I'm not going to be posting my videos on the site anymore. I used to post my Pathianian Punk and Flea Market Madness videos since I think it was September of 2010. So a little over three years. Um, so I'm still on you know good terms with. In terms of John and Lance, you know, like I said, I, I thank them for having me on board. You know, it, it, this isn't a PR thing I'm saying. I'm, I'm Honestly, I'm thankful for them for having me. They, they've helped me in some ways. And I've helped the site in some ways. It was
1: an amicable departure.
0: Amicable departure, uh, for the most part, you know, um, I, I'm not going to sugarcoat things. Things on the site were not perfect when I left. There are some things that I disagreed with that I'm not going to come out and say. And there are people on the site that I do not wish to be associated with professionally and personally. Better on the site. And I'm going to leave it at that. And I'm not going to say any more on it unless someone attacks me publicly and then, then all hell is going to break loose. But you hope that people are smart enough not to do that. So that said, um, let's talk about tonight's show. Let's run it down, shall we? Yeah, why not? So we're going to be talking about, wow, all the managed content networks being acquired left and right. Disney acquired Maker Studios. uh Speaking of Maker Studios, the Game Jam fiasco that just was revealed a couple days ago. Facebook buying Oculus for $1.6 billion. And uh, Michael Bay's Ninja Turtles trailer. trailer. Maybe a retro topic, who knows. And your Q&A that you could uh, tweet with hashtag... uh, See podcast? That's the hashtag on Twitter. And we'll see your questions. And if we we have time for it and we haven't answered it before and it's interesting to me at the moment, we're going to answer that. So this is pretty big. Um, There's been little tiptoes up to this point where you had major uh, studios looking to get into digital media, looking to to buy out these managed content networks. Now, what's a managed content network? Uh, They are YouTube channels like Machinima, like Maker Studios, who runs Polaris, which is a popular one. Um, What they do is they manage... YouTube partners, people that have YouTube channels. So what that means is uh, usually the ad revenue split between the managed content network and and the video producer. Um, So it's usually whatever it is, 50-50, 60-40. I've seen in the past there were awful ones by certain MCNs that would would give you like an awful split or pay you a flat rate CPM or cost per thousand that you get per video. So a managed content network in theory, or what it can do is it can bring together people to collaborate. It can market and push you. Uh, There's a a reason why a lot of these guys in these networks have a ton of followers is because there's money behind it so that when you click on a video on the right sidebar, you'll see like recommended channels and you'll see the same people over and over again on whatever. That's why PewDiePie, that's one of the reasons why PewDiePie is so big. It's not all coincidence. It's not all talent. I'm not saying these people aren't talented, but that's not the only reason why these people have hundreds of thousands of, of subscribers. That's a part of it. So these things are like TV channels, basically, where they gather
1: up other content makers yes. and put them under one name and try to sort of curate a uh, a, a theme or a type of
0: content. It, it could be a theme. It could be uh, so. For example, Polaris um, is mostly video game reviews and let's plays, and they have Game Grumps with Eagle Raptor. So it's sort of like that's that's what their concentration of media. Is there are other MCMS that are stuff for like uh, like fashion or, or uh, you know, maybe uh, music videos. You know, there's a bunch of them out there that are just different themes. But the ones that we mo- know about the most are video game-related ones because those are the biggest ones, by and large. That's the audience on YouTube. It's the teenagers. It's the 20-year-olds, and they love video games. That's why video games is like the it's like the biggest industry there is now. right You know, it's bigger than porn, probably. It's bigger than the movie business at this point, video yeah. games, you know? So, so that's where that is. So this one was kind of a shocker, though, because uh, Disney... Wants to get in, I guess, to the digital media market in a big way. So they purchased Maker Studios, who, like I said, they they run Polaris, which is one that a lot of you guys know with Game Grumps, Pro Jared, uh, and, and the like. Um, they acquired them for at least five hundred million dollars.
1: Then there's another four hundred million impossible bonus based on performance, yeah. which is going to be interesting for when we get to the next topic. But um, it makes sense that they're doing this. It's interesting to see it happen so quickly, but, you know, you can't deny that YouTube and, and what's the actual term they use, short-form video making or whatever, sure. is, is becoming a hugely popular thing. Disney has always been good about media presence. They've always oh. made sure they've had their hand in all sorts of media. Sometimes it works out better than others, but to me it actually makes sense that Disney would go... F- I, I don't know about everyone else buying them up, but Disney trying to get their hands in it, I... I I get that. I guess I should have seen that coming.
0: Well, the, well, the question is now, though, what is, what is Disney going to use this new media arm for? This is like something that obviously, off the start, you know, it's easier to buy some, a company out versus creating your own from the ground up. Obviously, Maker has millions and millions and millions of, 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 of subscribers already built into their various uh, networks that they have set up. Uh, so they already have that potential outreach. Obviously, Maker already has a relationship with Google that's there. Um, so the question, though, is is that what's Disney's main interest? Do they want that subscriber base to directly market their new movies? Remember, they bought Star Wars out for a ton of money, for billions. So does that mean they're going to then use that to help market to the young kids, using like that subscriber base, or just put their own new shows onto uh, Polaris, for example, and then market that way? Use existing talent, which gets dicey because... It's not like the talent is shored up for hugely long periods of time, um, you know. So it's not like if they thought if Disney thought that they acquired Maker and that they own JonTron, they don't. Right? John-tron is is connected to uh, Polaris and Maker, but his contract's not long long term. He could split and go somewhere else. So it's not clear what's going to happen here.
1: I, I feel like I feel like that the purchase was more of purchasing a template. Granted, a, a successful template. Now they're purchasing a template and they're purchasing uh, a viewer, a viewer base that they can then mold into whatever they need. So, like you said, immediately if they wanted to start doing advertising or you know getting a promotion up for new films mm. or new movies, they already have people who are going to see this stuff come up in their feeds. It's they're just going to have more eyes on it naturally. I think whatever they decide to do with it, I mean, honestly, they may just buy it and let it sit for a while and make some money off of it. You know, I mean. If it's profitable. If it's profitable. Um, Or they may, you know, slowly start to shoehorn more Disney stuff into it. But I think that, I think Disney might just let it ride. The only thing I can compare it to is when they bought out Marvel. And Marvel has been acting pretty much independent of Disney. Sure. Sure. You know, now I mean, who knows what's going on in the background? But the face of Marvel doesn't seem
0: that different. So the face of but that Maker, was a, but that was a licensed property. This is not a licensed property. No, well, that's true. This is this is this is a a um, a new media market that right. they basically are, are purchasing at least a chunk of it that they're purchasing. Well,
1: that's what I'm saying. Like they could be buying a template, right? So they already have the infrastructure there, and then they can yes. move it and start doing their own things, doing their own but shows
0: on the networks and using that built-in audience. But I, I it wouldn't surprise me if they left it alone for a few years too. I, I honestly, I wouldn't see that happening. I, I mean, I, I leaving something alone that that they invested half a billion dollars on. That seems like that's a lot of money to put in something they're not going to touch. Mm. You know, no, I mean that's a good point. And plus, Disney's not doesn't play small potatoes. They're not going to buy. They're not going to spend five hundred million dollars on on uh, on maker to sit back and maybe have it make I don't know five million profit a year, three million profit. That doesn't make any sense. No, no, they're going to they're right. going to use it. It's just I'm just thinking of what they're going to do with it. You know what I mean? Like, how's A year from now, are you going to have? Uh, are you going to have the same number of channels? Is it going to be halved? Are you going to have over-the-top branding on people's channel? Are you going to have Angry Joe and Mickey Mouse ears talking about you, you know the latest movie? Like, like that's that's a mystery. It, and it's interesting because it's like a new frontier that they're getting into. Without you know, Disney, Disney doesn't make stupid investments. That's the thing. By and large, they haven't. Pixar was a fantastic, fantastic investment. investment. Yeah. Marvel, fantastic. Star Wars is going to pay money hand over fist already. Right? I mean, has there been a bad one the past five, ten years? They own the Muppets. That's pretty good, right?
1: I I guess I see (laughs) them using it as, like I said, they they can use it as a mouthpiece in a way to, you know, keep people informed on what they're doing. I I think that we might end up seeing some shows on YouTube, Uh, especially they do a lot of, um, you know, like teen programming and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I could totally see that being something that would get put through Maker, Mickey Mouse Club on YouTube. Yeah, that sort of deal, and put on YouTube because we're moving we're moving away from people who sit down in front of TVs to watch things, and we're already watching things on the internet most of the time. So, I could see, I could see Disney, I guess, using Maker uh, as a way to target that teen audience that is already watching most of their um, video content on YouTube.
0: It's going to be fascinating, just because, I mean, I hate to say it, no sort of acquisition or merger in the history of the world has ever resulted in more jobs. Usually. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's just the way it works. You know, I'm not speaking out of turn when I say that. I've been involved with companies that have bought other companies or been bought, and people get axed. People are gone. It's right. just a matter of when that happens. Because cause they figure out there's redundancies, or we want our own people here instead of what's there. You know what I mean? It's just the way it works. Especially if they acquired a company, and if they don't think it's making enough profit, or it's losing money, that's going to change right away. They're not going to let it, like you said, I don't think they let it sit for a couple years, if if it's not performing to their standards.
1: Yeah, I guess, I guess, what I mean by said is, I just, I don't know if they're going to have a hard idea of what they're doing with it for... For half a billion, I think they'd
0: they'd have a good (laughs) idea, you would think. You know. Yeah. So, so, I mean, there was a couple little quotes put out about it. Uh, but it's not, again, it's not really specific. Uh, you know, it did say it was five months and it was a deliberate process. So this was thought out. This wasn't spur of the moment uh, sort of thing. Well, no,
1: that sort of acquisition isn't. I just, yeah, I guess I don't know if they have, they've got to have some sort of plan going in. I just wonder how quickly it's going to be enacted.
0: Uh, Maker Studios will report to Disney Chief Financial Officer Jay Rasulo. This is from Variety. Uh, it will be based, still based in Culver City, California, with operations in New York and London. In quotes, Disney is. Synonymous with the best entertainment and is the ideal partner for us, strengthening our position as the leading player in online video. Yanan Kries, exec chairman and CEO of Maker Studios, said in a statement. It'd be interesting to hear what Disney had to say, though, because Disney's the one that's going to control us Well, I
1: guess happen. that's the thing. With all the reports that are out, I mean, we haven't really heard anything on their intent.
0: Yeah. So, this might lead to other... Big studios getting into it. I think Warner Brothers has dabbled in it, and I don't think they bought out someone, but I think they have money in one of these managed content networks. Um, so maybe it'll this will be a trend that starts starts to sort of go downhill as the next sort of media market that's really exploded in the past, really five years. You know, two thousand eight, two thousand nine is when YouTube really started taking right. off. Two thousand seven, if you want to go back that far, you know. Yeah, people. Another another in Forbes. Uh, how Disney ultimately uses Maker remains to be seen says the Mouse House could use the business to push its more, quote, tween-focused properties or use Maker as a kind of farm team to find new talent. Okay, so I guess that's, that, that's what I'm thinking.
1: I think that's because so many, like I said before, so many younger kids, so many teenagers and tweens are already watching all their stuff online anyways. It would make a perfect venue for their shows like, I don't know, Hannah Montana and Lizzie McGuire are the last two that I can remember. But yeah, I mean, I think that's where you might see some of that stuff pushed out. In smaller, more bite sized chunks as opposed to the usual half hour format. You know, you might get like some 10 minute
0: episode type stuff. Uh, Disney's press re- release just said Disney will gain advanced technology and business intelligence capability. Regarding consumers' discovery and interaction with short-form online videos, cl- including Disney content, that sounds like an upgrade in civilization. We've gained advanced technology, well, and it's it's massive marketing research. So they're going to be able to say, see the demographics of who's watching all their content. I was making a joke. I know, I know, but I'm saying it's going to remain to be seen. That it, it's it's very interesting, and yeah, this this Forbes article is postulating about other, again, like I just said, other big companies, maybe quote unquote. Kicking the tires of these networks to see maybe they could buy one out and use it the same way Disney is. But this is this is a big one, and it's between five hundred million and a billion dollars. Well, so here's the thing, and I think this segues
1: into our next topic pretty great. The acquisition includes four hundred and fifty million, I believe, or four hundred million that uh, will potentially be doled out based on performance. Mm-hmm. And Maker Studios was behind the recent. Game underscore Jam, reality Uh, show. Reality show that wasn't supposed to initially be. I'll break it down, Um, and that ended in uh, basically flames Uh, within a day. It was supposed to be a four-day thing. So, in case anyone's not aware of what a game jam is, briefly, a game jam is when a bunch of uh, developers, coders, uh, artists, and musicians get together. Usually in a a physical space, but not always. Sometimes it's organized online. And it's for a set period of time. Usually, say, anywhere from one to four days. And it's a fun, creative, relaxed space where these people can get together in groups and prototype a game. And they usually do it in teams, and it's not always competitive, and they show off the spoils at the end. And it's great for networking. Uh, it's great for socialization in an industry that is constantly seen as being antisocial. Um, Just different
0: people working together.
1: To gets different people, people working together. Yeah. Um, diversity is always big, so it's always, you know, all genders, all races. And... uh you know, it's a, from, from the accounts of everyone who's ever been to one, especially some of the better ones like Train Jam, it's a very special thing to be a part of and go and see, and it's a lot of fun. A lot of late nights, you know, and uh, some really cool and interesting ideas come out of it. And you might create something you never would have on your own, right. obviously. So that's the basic gist of what a game jam is. Now, of course, as game jams get talked about more and more, there is a growing audience who wants to see it, who's maybe never been part of one. They want to get an idea. So Polaris and Maker had an idea, and the seed of the idea was good. It was, get some known developers together, and we're going to make a game jam documentary. It's basically what it is. And they're going to film. You know, They're going to get four groups together, and they're going to film for four days. And at the end, there's going to be four games that people can play, and you can watch this game jam happen. Sure. And that sounds pretty good. And things slowly get out of hand. Uh, branding gets added on, which... To be fair, it was probably expected. It was by most people who participated, and if you read their articles. Um, But it slowly turned into a documentary to a reality show.
0: Now you say Slowly. When this was first conceived, it was thought it was going to be a documentary. It was somewhere, thought, somewhere along the line. It was a conscious decision then, was and made and to then, make a reality and show. And
1: then, then there, it's they started working game show type elements into it with prizes and competition. Basically, you know, it wasn't just going to be a free form game jam. It was going to, you know, have structure. And there was going to be competition and prizes. And then somewhere in there, basically, it turned into it's going to be a reality show. And so the problem starts when the developers see. The contract, and this is where they first get their first inklings that a lot of these. I the list here, by the yeah, way. Yeah, they start getting their the first inklings that there's problems going early on. early on before they yeah. film, uh, and they they renegotiated these contracts. But you know, the contract, a lot of people probably would have seen it and said, "Just walk
0: from this." Do you want uh, to go through the list of what they were? Yeah,
1: uh, 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 along uh, among the things that were on the contract was that uh, the. Production team filming was allowed to use willful misrepresentation. That means they could twist the video, cut it, edit it in any way they wanted to make things seem dramatic or make arguments seem like they were occurring. They um, well, why is that? Let's, let's break this down. Why is that horrible? Well, this is why. This it's is
0: horrible. this is this is awful because these these, these are not entertainers. These are. Developers and programmers.
1: These are indie... Yeah, They're they're developers and programmers. They're independent. They're working. A lot of these people are just starting their careers, or their careers are just starting to take off. And this, the willful misrepresentation bit, could totally screw them and make them look horrible, and it wouldn't have been because of anything they did. And, I mean, you're potentially
0: ruining these people's careers. Yeah, because if, if, say, you're a developer, you go on a reality show, and all of a sudden it makes it look like you're an ass or you're hard to work with, then... Other people don't know that it was edited weird or things are taken out of context. All of a sudden, no one wants to work with you. Right. All of a sudden, you have burnt bridges you didn't know you burnt. Right. So that's the first thing that's horrible. The it's, other, it's, it's one thing if you're John Tron or Angry Joe or any other personality associated with this project that you can get away with that maybe as an entertainer. It's still dicey, but at least you're an entertainer. Your, your li- livelihood's not based upon working on collaborative projects with other people. Showing you working in that, that genre. Game of, of jams are golfing. supposed to be about inclusion
1: and making contacts and friends and having a good time. It's not supposed to be about burning bridges and it's not supposed to be about drama. Um, another one that was uh, pretty bad in there was the um, that the exclusivity clause, yeah. which this one is ridiculous. So the exclusivity clause was basically that uh, they could not participate in Twitter or other shows or YouTube. They could not appear in anything that. Uh, they could not appear in anything during the original run of the programming, which could have been months. Um, these people, these these indie devs, uh, are one-man teams for the most part. The they they are teams. their own marketing. Yeah. They, they are their mouthpiece. They can't... To tell an indie developer that they can't sell their own products. Do you know how much they made uh, in the contract? They were, they were given $300 a piece. Like, that... I mean, no, that, that, it that it was it their monetary comp- yeah. con- compensation. They went and did this because they really thought that they were going to get to show the world what indie development looked like and what a game jam was. So, $300, and then by the way, good luck selling your shit without being able to talk. That was an awful one that got renegotiated. Um, there was the usual things like the branding, you know, which was to be expected. You marketing. know, you're going to have the marketing and the stuff on there. But, you know, the... I, so... It, th- th- this, this topic's going to spin out So let's, just, let's,
0: let's stay with the, the, the contract sure. though. So marketing, I'll just say it So basically what it says is that Participants were required to participate in branded activities Including but not limited to Drinking Mountain Dew On top of that, participants would be required to advertise the show As requested by Game Jam And would, would not be allowed to speak ill of the jam Its sponsors or its organizers So basically that's a hush It's a non-disclosure But on top of that, it's like, yeah, you're going to have to be pushed To promote the sponsor there was also a travel clause,
1: and that was in the promotion of the show. If anyone was needed to travel within, and the travel destination was within 200 miles of their location, they had to pay for all their travel. That's a lot of money to pay out of someone's pocket. 200 miles is not a small
0: radius. And supposedly, reportedly by a lot of sources, that the budget for Game Jam was at least $400,000. So you think they'd be able to at least pay... The travel arrangements for those participating. It would have been nice.
1: Right. At least. Well, I mean,
0: they would have been able to...
1: They, they paid for the travel to get out there for the show, but any, like, follow-up, any reunions, any, uh, any promotional events they wanted to hold in relation to Game Jam were the ones they would have to pay for.
0: And yeah, like I said, 200 miles, that, you know, it's... If you're inside 200 miles, that's uh, that stinks because... I, I'm just telling you, someone that lives in San Diego and had to drive to L.A. for something, that's about, what, 100 miles? Yeah. That stinks. Yeah, it does. I would love to fly in, you know? Yep.
1: <laughs> you, know? But, you or, know. If, or if they're, they're not going to fly in, at least compensate you on gas. I mean, compensate yeah, you for something. That'd be I, mean, nice. I mean, you only gave them $300 fucking dollars, and you had a budget of 400 So, um... Were there any other points on that before we continue talking about what uh, happened? About the contract,
0: here? yeah, uh, waiver of privacy. That's any reality show except for the bedroom or bathroom. Uh, you could be you <laughs> waive all rights to privacy, including microphones and cameras in any area of production. But this is this co- is basically including ed living quarters. So looking at the
1: contract was when they very I, I believe is when they very much realized that this was not going to be initially what they thought it was going to be. It was very much going to be a reality show, and there was probably going to be attempts at some manufactured drama. So they get there, they renegotiate the contracts to make them less horrible. And as it starts, it's obvious that a lot of money has been put into this and it's obvious that they, a lot of the people, there's no real cohesive plan here. There's people running all over the place and a guy comes in and this is the main thing, um, because it really is be, everyone's attributing the downfall of this to one guy. His name was Maddie Lesham.
0: Well, they're tripping the downfall, but it seems like it was not going to be good even before this. This is sort of like the, the cherry on well, top. A lo- this is why people left. A lot of yeah. people were willing to stick it out
1: to get a chance to show people how game development works. This guy ruined it. So, anyways, this guy—no one really knows who he was. He was a Pepsi consultant. He—he he was a, a brand. He was a brand he,
0: consultant. He's a brand consultant working. And, working not. He doesn't work for Mountain Dew Pepsi, but he was working. He was with, contracted. Right. Yeah. So you know he's a. He's asking if
1: they can drink water out of empty Mountain Dew cans. No drinks are allowed on the stage except for Mountain Dew or water. Coffee, and he, coffee and, wasn't even allowed. No, no, either. people were drinking coffee in the corners. Um, you know, you you had to make sure that your Mountain Dew can was faced out. You know, I can only imagine the. I don't want to say embarrassment because that makes it sound like they did something, but like just. How uncomfortable it must have been when they had to go through like three or four shots because they weren't clapping loud enough for the year supply of Mountain
0: Dew that they could potentially well, win. Well, let's slow down a little bit about what what the difference between sponsoring and branding. Uh, this is where this is why you cannot place all the blame on this one guy. He was hired to do this, and it's either uh, ignorance or incompetence if you're, you want your show run so, to such an extent by someone in charge of branding that it basically takes over the entire show.
1: Oh, <laughs> I think Russell. Awesome. yes he can though, because it was his comments unrelated to branding that caused it to fall no, apart. No, no, no,
0: no, you're no, you're not getting me. It's one thing to have your show sponsored by Mountain Dew. It's another thing to have all your contestants only yeah. drinking Mountain no, Dew. I understand There's that. There's a huge continuum between sponsorship and blatant over-the-top branding and to, to the point where oh, yeah. the integrity of your show is called into... yeah. The, the, there's, a,
1: there's a whole chain of events that lead to what made it fall apart, but it was the guy's comments that we will get to that, that caused people well, to say the we're straw, done. That was,
0: I'm, sure. I'm trying to focus on the fact that how out of touch are you that your prizes to these indie developers is Mountain Dew mm-hmm. or right. tri- trips out to the Mountain Dew like Bro Fest or whatever. Right, right or, or the best one is they can get what was the one they they can give them they can get them in on the Microsoft Indie Developer. Which which all they of these anyway. people
1: either had or could have gotten within a phone call or two. It's not a prize. I mean that's not a prize. I mean yeah. they, I mean I, I think the, pe- the the people who put that together thought that they were working with like. I don't know, what, high school kids who just got into it? Like, none of these prizes were things that these people won. And they, the, the, the worst part was is they fed into stereotypes. I mean, Mount, uh, a year's supply of Mountain Dew? This isn't like the 1980s stereotype of the all-night coder making his BBS, you know, chugging and dew and jolt cola. I mean, it's fucking <laughs> ridiculous. And then, and then you're going to fly him out to an extreme sports bro-fest with some <laughs> shit, man? These people couldn't be less interested in that crap. But they wanted to stick it up because they wanted to show. So, anyways, it starts and they realize very quickly that they're not going to have a lot of time actually dedicated to the game jamming itself. Um, There's stupid contests, little arts and crafts contests, well, the, which the no first, one has gotten really into. Well, the
0: first contest I read was that they were they were tasked to make a Let's Play video. Yeah, they were tasked, right. Which is just like, what the hell does that have to do with your game development? If, to me, that's, that's uh, someone from Polaris or Maker said, we have to have this contest to basically show off one of our flagship brands of our MCN is that we do let's play shows with and incorporate that into the contest. This topic is so big, I feel bad because it's probably going to come across as a little disjointed. But let me let me
1: go back a minute too. The reason why they would have done the let's play contest is these teams were formed. They were there was one indie dev leader chosen. Uh, Okay, here we go. And then the indie dev leader got to pick two other people that they wanted to work with that were indie devs, and then Maker Studios threw. A random YouTube personality in each team from their network. Like their John network. Tron was
0: one of them, right? Yeah.
1: So you know, this is probably why I think they realized early on. And from all that I heard, the the YouTube personalities were pretty nice about being like, we can't,
0: we can't do, we can't code. program.
1: Yeah, <laughs> we're all here, and this is all weird. So we'll help with voiceover work, or you know, you know, graphic something design,
0: or some theme design, or something.
1: Yeah, I heard most of them were actually really humble about the fact, like. We're out of our league here. So I think that's why Maker Studios had them do this sort of shit. It was like, well, we've gotta have the YouTube people do something. So let's have them crack jokes over a video game, you know, for a while.
0: But that, but that may not mesh with personalities. It shows I think it shows a lack of understanding it of does. personality types too.
1: Because because and I'm not saying all, but a, you know, a lot of game developers and coders that I've met have been very laid back, nice chill people, whereas a lot of YouTube personalities I've met are are boisterous a boisterous
0: bit. and way more like so, forward again shows a lack of understanding of who the people they're dealing with and why it's a reality show in the first place then. right so you're already, you're already putting these people off their game as is yeah with the branding and everything else the bright lights you know what I mean yeah. the, you know, cameras the, in your face while you're trying to code and think of a game idea that's not probably easy to begin with no you know
1: you know, this really needed to be set up as sort of a capture them in the moment, you know, sort of thing. A, a gorillas in the mist, you know, just <laughs> <laughs> you know, it needed to be re- It needed to be shot. It needed to be shot from afar. Um, and so they, you know, the, the, the team that wins the challenge gets some lawn chairs to put on their
0: fake trailer lawn or something <laughs> like that.
1: Like you know, they're <laughs> they're upgrading I did see their they, domicile. They, they yeah. had
0: green colored Mountain Dew uh, lawn chairs. Like I'm just thinking to myself. I'm just saying, like. Again, there's a difference between sponsorship and, and and total branding. ESPN sports centers are always sponsored by yeah. some entity, whether it's Burger King, Coca Cola, let's just say, or a movie. You don't see the, the, the anchors on ESPN holding cups of the sponsor or have the colored chair or desk of their sponsor. There's, right. there's sponsoring is fine. Over-the-top branding is ridiculous in any way. And I'm not blaming the developers. They have, this isn't their world. This isn't yeah. their world of, of where the money is coming from to create this. But at some point, you have to at least uh, hopefully think about some sort of – this goes to everyone involved. And I'm not, I'm not trying to cast aspersions, but you have to realize what you're getting involved with well, and, and, how, and how it can make you look. To yes, some degree, to well, some degree. and
1: they did, and we'll get to that point, and they backed out, but I also don't think there's anything wrong with them wanting to get a shot at actually showing game development on a big no, screen. No, that's fine. But they, they, I, I mean, but they, they wanted to put up with some, they were willing to put up with some crap to get that, that message across. But that contract's a huge
0: red flag.
1: Well, right, it is. A Again, huge red and flag. And even if it,
0: they changed it, that's the original, even if you get a contract and change, there's always the original intent behind the contract. And they, you, right, you, the, the
1: original intent behind that contract was... Aggressive,
0: and we can make you look like an idiot. For yeah, a reality show. That's basically what it, what it says, and it basically it basically means that what you're doing on on this show, you're actually going to develop it, that's secondary. The the the, the 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 important process of of the game jam and what it means and the inclusion to them that's nowhere in those points in the contract. That's totally not there. So these people are not people
1: who would want to necessarily create drama out of nothing. And if there is drama, these are people who are going to be fairly level-headed about it, and they're going to want to try to attack it um, privately and get the matter squashed. There's uh, the story that happened, and this is where I think people really started to realize what this show was going to become uh, under Maddie's, uh, you know, leadership. It was uh, the team with Zoe Quinn and Jontron? Zoe Quinn and Jontron had a Bit of a disagreement on something. And they said, you know what? We don't want to distract uh, the rest of our team or anything. Let's just go outside and talk about this like adults. And as soon as their feet hit the floor and they tried to go outside, cameras swarmed them.
0: And by the way, this was all reported by Jared Rosen, who was a reporter that was on scene who wrote a great article on it and who was actually momentarily, it seemed, fired. Uh, from Maker on Monday before they quickly said, no, you're not fired for, for, for pushing this. That right. aside. So,
1: you know, the cameras tried to follow, and they were like, no, we're, we're not going to do this. But they were so desperate for a dramatic angle that after, you know, Zoe and, and John had gone back, they later on cornered John Tron in a, in a room and tried to get him to say something, like egged him on to say something bad about Zoe Quinn, and he wouldn't. Because I mean, I don't know anything about these YouTube personnels, but at the end of the day I'd like to think they're all decent people and he seems like he was in this regard. He wasn't gonna play it for drama. He and I guess he was furious about it afterwards. So I would
0: be. They yes. wanna they wanna represent me again. These are people's right. livelihoods. Right. So you know
1: you know, right then and there I think people started to realize there's problems. The big issues came shortly thereafter. And that was they're in the middle, they're actually finally allowed to do some game coding. Maddie goes around with cameras and starts Asking one team, "Do you think you're at an advantage because you have a pretty girl on your team?" And everyone shut it down until he pushed the, the a little bit. Well, did further. he say advantage
0: or disadvantage? No, he says
1: advantage at this point. Okay. And I believe her name is Adriel. Said, you know, said that that was an incredibly uh, inappropriate line of questioning. Now, people need to understand that, especially in game development right now, the matter of gender equality and uh, representation of women and minorities is a very big and a very important issue to get the game development industry's um, stereotype of being uh, a, a boys' club out of mm. it. So she flipped. But she held on for a moment, and her team held on for a moment. And when they couldn't get anything out of her, they went to the two guy-only teams and asked, oh, they didn't Do ask you it. think okay. the other teams with women start. on them are at a disadvantage
0: And you'd be like, what?
1: (laughs) And that's where it fell the fuck apart. Um, Wow. Some fuck-offs were said, and from what I understand, Maddie was without a job within 20 minutes of that happening. The end result of this was the producers who originally wanted to put it on, I believe ended up leaving on good terms with the developers, because they all had a powwow basically and sat around, had some smokes, had some drinks, and... They even the developers even left the door open. They said, We like your original idea. We think that it's important to kind of show the world what game development is like on a on a small scale. But it's not going to be this time. The basically the well has been poisoned. Doesn't matter that he's gone. This is a toxic environment and no one here wants any part of this And they walked.
0: That's interesting though, that after the shit hit the fan and the thing imploded that all of a sudden the producers realized, hey, something's gone wrong. Well, one of you the know? guys said he
1: found out what kind of guy he was today and he wasn't too proud of it because he let shit go for too long and he didn't
0: step in and stop it. That's that's what it comes down to, though. The, the producers are the ones that control the production. That's what a producer right. does. They shape it. and they, they they So it sounds like what happened was so much money got put into this idea at some point. And there was so much at stake with, with these sponsors, that were, with the branding, that it just got... It was out of control. It just became... It, what I read was that they hired a second production company. Yeah, there the two production companies. I mean, that's just like, what are you doing at that point? That there was like, there's teams of people there, and lawyers. That's and stuff. Like, it's just like, what? That's like two
1: caterers at a wedding. That's just a, I mean, that's a nightmare. You, I mean, there's not going to be any sort of cohesion.
0: So I, I, I applaud the producers for taking accountability after the fact. But it's like, this is you can't let it get out of control. You can't let your original vision be that tainted by just because there's money involved that all of a sudden you have to hold a Mountain Dew can the right way. Because their, their original vision is something that I wanted to see. I actually wanted
1: to watch that. I really did. I wanted to see it. I thought it would be fun to see a game jam televised, you know, four days of it recorded and see what comes out of it. And, I was and, you, really, can, and
0: you can have a competitive nature who has the, maybe the game that's the best or most interesting? Sure. I mean, a lot you of people,
1: could. a lot of people, you know, have been talking about are like, well, you know, game jams aren't even necessarily competitive. And I agree with that. But I don't think there's anything wrong with putting a little competition sure. in it. That's fine. Sure, that's fine. That's okay. And even a lot of the people who are involved are like, a little bit of branding is fine, you know, yeah. or, you know, or sponsorship. But put the you know, sign in the background. But put yeah, them, you know, know what I mean. Put them out and do something. The fact that you they know. had to hide to drink. I mean, he was, he was even unlabeled water bottles that Maddie was running around and just ripping them off the tables. Like. I, no, Mountain Dew is not actually what people drink. It's like lifeblood. I mean, I don't know where this stereotype started or how it keeps getting perpetuated, but I mean, people want to drink things other than high fructose corn syrup.
0: There's a a funny YouTube video someone posted um, I guess it was E3 a few years back where it's this promo video that was put together, it's almost a parody. It's so embarrassing. They hired this cute blonde model to go around with the, like, it's like the green special edition gamer fuel at E3. And she's like, yeah, this is the best! And getting people to drink it in gamers. And at one point, she actually goes up to Jeff Keighley. And, exactly. And then, they actually... T- intertwine arms and drink together and the look on Jeff's face is almost as if like, yeah, he knows now he's a whore but he's going along with I'm uh, a dead soul. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean that's what that's what it comes down to about integrity in your product and about what you're representing. And like I said again, I'm not faulting any of the of the people on the teams, but the producers, you have to rein your shit in. Yeah. But well, they control of it. The last thing I want to say on it is I
1: do want to say, you know, reading the stories uh, have been nice. Uh, I want to say that I'm really, really proud for that group, though, sticking up oh, great. for yeah. what they, they. I mean, yeah. when they realized shit was going down and four people were leaving, everyone banded together. Everyone was, you know, there was solidarity, and they stood up for what they believed in was right. They, they, they were willing to, as the, as the one lady point stated, uh, I think, was it one of the ladies' articles? Anyways, if I'm wrong on that, I apologize. But they were willing to sell themselves out. A little bit with the branding sure. to get to the point where they could show indie game development, but to be demeaned in that way and to basically try to stone age everything, you know that that, that game development has become, you know, to to, to knock it back a hundred years. <laughs> game development wasn't happening. Game development know. in 1912. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, I'm I'm glad that everyone stuck together, and it sounds like some new friendships were formed. And I do think I hope that the producers if they you know if they keep their jobs i i think they've learned some good lessons and i think the next time someone attempts to do this it will have a m-
0: much better chance of going well and i hope to be able to watch that there you have it i th- i think we we said it all you know maybe maybe a year from now or maybe this will spur on a new project a totally different group of people coming together and actually fill something more low key without mountain dew and greens, green greenage all over the place and just something that we will want to watch yeah That'd be nice. Oh, the one thing I wanted to add to this real quick was about Disney's probably not pleased at this oh, at all. Yeah, we
1: so I, you, we I, I totally missed this. To, <laughs> I alluded to that earlier when we were talking about the uh, the the, make, the the Disney acquisition of maker. So five hundred mil, right? Okay, that's theirs. But then the four hundred mil is based on performance. Your first performance under Disney and a huge l- one loses you four hundred million dollars, four hundred thousand
0: dollars, four hundred thousand. Holy crap! Not just that; it's the bad publicity. It, it's yeah. bad publicity. It's showing this is where it's poisonous, and hopefully not poisonous, poisonous to the individuals involved. Speaking about Angry Joe and John Trom, it's poisonous to the fact that it showed that you can't, you can't work with a, with a branding sponsor properly. Like it, just right. just the taint of that that for other companies to see. Here's a show that I don't know how much money Pepsi slash Mountain Dew put into this. But they're shit out of that money, and it makes them look bad. Right. Everyone looks bad. Yeah. You know, everyone that it's important to, except the, the game developers. They they're fine. They look gr- uh, better, but everyone else looks yeah, bad. Yeah. The, 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 the game developers came out of this looking better than they. I mean, do it, you think? Do you think? Do you think another company is going to want to do a branding deal with Polaris anytime soon? No. From this, no. It could. It could be. It, it could be something that re- reverberates. Not just with an MCM like this, with other ones that they can say like, wow, maybe they can't handle working with us to this degree. Maybe it's not worth the risk." Right? You know, there's, there's, it's not Pandora's box, but it's 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 not good at all. If I'm if I'm a company looking to invest, say a hundred thousand dollars for a program like like this, or this gives me lots of pause. All of a sudden, I'm like. Sure. I don't know if I want to do this. I don't know if this isn't tr- tried and true. you know, well, th- this sort of method or this so- sort of medium to that I, extent.
1: I look at a sense of scale almost here because while makers by no means small potatoes, I mean, they're huge in the world of online videos. Yeah, um, They are still, I mean, they're babies when it comes to things like being able to successfully merge with a product like Disney could do or Sony could do or any other company could do for a film or for an event. You know, these are people who have Tons of people who are dedicated just handling this. And now now the kids go out and play in the big leagues and it all just goes to fucking shit. Because you can manage YouTube all you want. But when you're starting to work with real productions, with multiple stages and things like this. Yeah, things can go haywire quick. And if you don't have the experience, I, I mean, what what do you do? I mean, I, 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 from what I gather they did, they kind of threw their hands up and walked around like chickens with their heads cut off for 12 hours until... Everyone backed out. Yeah, that's
0: not going to happen under Disney's reign. <laughs> well,
1: no, <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I mean Disney won't allow that. I mean, yeah. which means that a lot of people are going to get shuttled around or shipped off,
0: yeah. and
1: that sucks. But yeah, you know, I mean, you know, it is. It's like it's like getting called up to the bigs. You know, you you, you have to start playing like you, have to, like you have a major yes. league you have to,
0: you have ball to, player. You have to you have to look like you belong.
1: Did you hear how uncomfortably that sports metaphor know, right? came out of my mouth? I was like, hey, "Oh, you've
0: I'm watched choking on this. You've watched the Bills lose a few Super Bowls.
1: You're a Fuck sports fan. <laughs> I bought a, I got a sports game the other day, but you bought a sports title. I well, actually, tried was
0: nice enough to give it to me for free. But I got FIFA 14, my one sports game every three years. But yeah, th- again, that's the thing, though, is that unfortunately, I mean, I'm, I'm trying. I'm not trying to laugh at this, but it's like this is a huge deal because it showed that." other sponsors may not come on board. Yeah. It's, it's a, there's a chance. And now, now Polaris won't want me. For me, maybe he's talking about this, I don't know. Polaris actually got in touch with me, representative in the past couple of months, saying, "You know, we'd like to talk to you. I'm not sure they're going to want <laughs> at this point. All right, moving on. Okay. I think we
1: got that under the 40-minute mark that we thought we might Oh, actually. that was only a half hour. Oh, okay. We did good. Wait, that's, that was like our wrestling talk. <laughs> oh, no.
0: We're going to talk about wrestling. No. Uh, <laughs>
1: moving on. I just want to shout out to my buddy, Art. I know you're listening. Art loves wrestling. Art Who loves love it when we talk wrestling. about wrestling. You can, he doesn't.
0: You can lead on this topic. What? Uh, Facebook acquires Oculus VR, maker of, the, maker of the upcoming Oculus Rift. All right, so... Facebook acquires Oculus for two billion, uh, billion dollars. Facebook, Google, and they throw money around like it's water. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Um, <laughs> where do I start with this?
1: Let's talk with why some people are upset about this for a couple of reasons. One, um, a lot of early investors, and this is going to come from early investors. I think this is this is where a lot of the the upset. Uh, now, of, when you say investors, you're
0: talking about people that put it into well, Kickstarter. Kickstarter,
1: Not right? And I'm going to talk about that. That's a mission too. too. Yeah. yeah. Um, they weren't. A lot of them are upset because they felt like they basically seeded a first round draft pick. <laughs> <laughs> what is it with me in the fucking sports metaphors you're tonight? You're on fire. Keep I'm going. On, boom shakalaka. <laughs> so, anyways, let's see if I can dribble this down the midfield. No, anyway. <laughs> um, they, you know, so. Oculus crowdsources or crowdfunds the money. They do incredibly well. There is uh, 2.4 million. Uh, mil, 2.4 million, I believe. Yeah, million. Um, a lot of big name players in like uh, computer technology and indie games put money in. Like Notch, who did mi- who made Minecraft. Um,
0: oh, he put money into it as oh, yes. an investor. Oh yeah. Or, or, or Kickstarter. Right.
1: Crowd and everyone was very excited. So you know what. Happens is is they all put this money in three hundred dollars was a was a, a popular back. What, what was it? Do you
0: remember the tier for actually to getting the, the? I believe it was three hundred got get you the, an early you developer
1: the, kit. Yeah, but what about to get the actual Oculus Rift? That's what $900? I mean. Three hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah oh, that's not I think idea. that's what it was. It's not a bad deal. So, anyways, if I'm wrong, it's it's only by maybe a hundred bucks. Um,
0: I'll look it up right now. So,
1: and then they immediately get purchased out for two billion. Or not immediately, but very quickly. This is where. Kickstarter becomes a weird thing. Because Kickstarter likes to talk about investing. You know, you're crowdfunding, you know, you're providing funds, you're backing. But uh, you're not... People look at People look at Kickstarter so many ways. People look at Kickstarter as a store and then they get all entitled and self-righteous when something doesn't deliver. They also try to look at it like they're professionally investing in something. The problem is, if you were actually investing in something, you would have gotten money from the Facebook buyout. You're not getting shit from the Facebook buyout.
0: You're gonna get hopefully you, what you put in for. So your your development package. Oh,
1: everyone got that. No, yeah. there's been no problems with that. Oculus has been perfectly fine with that. Everyone's gotten them, and they're they're doing another batch. But like shipping. you said, they
0: acted but, as blind investors with no no stake.
1: Right. And and now they you know fa- uh, Oculus gets bought out, and you know everyone's like, well, what the fuck? You know, I mean, they 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 they, they feel kind of duped in in a way. In a way, I sympathize, and in a way, I don't, just because... I They're mean, not
0: obligated to get more than what they right. put in for. My whole thing
1: with Kickstarter is be very, very wary of supporting a Kickstarter. You know, Be willing to have that money thrown away, and be realized that you're not really an investor. You're not on a board. You don't really get any say. In you don't get jurors. shares. You don't get shares. And I think people just kind of hope that, because this was like a grassroots small team of people who are doing VR, it that it no. wasn't going to quite get to that point. And then it's like, hey, how about two hundred? You know, two billion. How about two billion
0: to split with you and your team? Okay, right. <laughs> you know, I think other people are a little bit weary of this because
1: Facebook is strange. No one really knows what yeah. Facebook does
0: with with where their, all their investments are along. The yeah, the
1: and with their data and all right. those things. And to me, I know it's a window looking out, but the whole idea of Facebook with with like if they were doing it... it now they they say they're going to focus on games first.
0: But then they're going to spin it but up into the media they, and they, using it with Facebook. Right, and they're like,
1: you know, you could be courtside at a game or, you know,
0: you could... That's cool. It is. Uh, it, if they set up, like, a camera that you can look 360 at events or something, that's not a bad idea. I you just... Know? It, I just... I feel like
1: Facebook could track a lot of data with a VR headset that I don't know that I would want them tracking.
0: Well, that's the fear. The, actually, the Minecraft guy... When this news came out, said I'm no longer interested in working with. Well, yeah, I know I, I know, with, he, with I know that he Rick. backed
1: out. I wasn't. I didn't. I didn't read his his article. Um, I knew, I just knew that he had backed out. I could I could I could gather the reasons why he would
0: have. Well, I think at first I think he just said it was funny. He just tweeted like he, that Facebook creeps him out. Then he actually went into the reasoning why after that. That is. I think he was alluding to some of the things you were bringing up about it being just. Actually, I actually think I did because I actually think I stole that seating of a first round draft. I think
1: that's actually his line now that I think about it. Stole yeah. Notches. I might have stolen <laughs> that.
0: Um. But but yeah, I, I think. Uh, yeah, of course they feel betrayed the, these people that backed this Kickstarter because to them it's like wow we're going to get this product and it's going to improve. There's no guarantee Facebook's going to continue with that. They right. could, they could shelve the idea. They can be like. They could be like all those uh, car companies in the '70s that they found out about electric cars. They bought the patents and they shelved them, and yeah. that's why that's why we didn't have electric cars in the '70s and '80s. We could have, but they were all bought out by by the by the major uh, you know major companies you know major car companies to keep it quiet. I'm not saying Facebook's is going to do that, but that's a possibility. They bought it. They could do whatever they want with it. Yeah. They could not release it. They could use it for. They could use it for, hey, you want to look inside your friend's apartment? Buy this camera. You can look inside your friend's apartment while you're talking to them. That could be it. And people be like, what the hell did I, what is this? You know, this isn't what I signed up for. I, also I do just, think, though, it's going to stay with games just because Sony has their version coming out. Oh, Facebook, so, yeah, Facebook
1: so, Raps have said in, in uh, brief blurbs since that their number one focus will, will be, be games. games. And everything else will follow. Two billion dollars, um, though. I feel like a lot of people's big problems with this, and I kind of get it, is really you just look at it and it's like, no no way around the word, sellouts, you know? I mean. Yeah, but that's, I
0: mean, there's always, there's always, there's always the. the, Everyone has a price. Everyone has a price. Ted DiBiase said that. You know, a lot of people have said that, but sure, Ted DBS said It's, it's that always, too. it's always, it's always the it's always the, uh, the expression about, about how much money you only take. Will you take ten dollars for sex. Oh no, we should take a million. Yeah, I'll think about it. So it's like you're still, you're still a whore. It's just to what, what at what step are you officially a whore? Though, like what is actually does it take you to be a whore? Yeah, you know. So I don't know. <laughs> I mean, a lot of money. I, I do think a lot of the the
1: far off in the future potential for it is pretty cool. You know, I mean, for being at an event or something that you can't go to in another city, Um, very interesting. I, but I'm. We talked about it. I think VR is where things are going. I don't know that it's now. I don't know now is where it's going. At least not. At least not in that realm. Games, sure. I haven't even put an Oculus Rift on yet. But you know, if I don't get sick, you can convince me that it might be kind of cool. I just.
0: Yeah, I don't know that... that... So I, we brought that up before about the future of VR gaming. That's a big hurdle. You have to make sure people are going to get sick using this thing. Right. There's no guarantee that people...
1: that's going to happen. Right, I mean, right now we've got, you know, talk of people who are demoing units, people who have gone to see the units demoed, and people who have the dev kits. Um, but, I mean, what the hell happens when this gets released mass market? I mean nintendo had to put a fucking warning on the 3ds because the 3d might be bad for kids under seven even though no doctor out there actually said that it might be bad for kids
0: under seven they're still covering they're still
1: saying it because one parent or a couple of parents were confused they're worried and so i think it might be a tough sell to at least a younger audience but we digress facebook
0: paid a shitload of money for Oculus. Here's, here's the positive, at least, though. Obviously, Facebook has a ton of money that they're going to push this thing out there to recoup some investment, maybe. So, then maybe that means the development is going to be quicker to get it out to the the market, maybe a year or two earlier. That's the po- oh, that's sure. a positive. Oh, sure. I, that I, is a positive. I absolutely see this being fast-tracked. They, so, didn't,
1: they didn't spend $2 billion to, unlike what I said before with Disney, they didn't spend $2 billion to just leave this thing fucking sit. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, $2.4 million for for a, a Kickstarter, that seems like a lot until you take out probably, I don't know, 400000 for taxes. You take out all the production costs. That doesn't leave you a lot left for research and development on top of what you've already put into it. And it doesn't leave much at all in order to mass-produce the damn thing. Right. You know what I mean? If, if it's not used for nefarious purposes,
1: if this acquisition isn't for nefarious purposes, um, the Oculus team is now going to have basically every resource available to them to make this is. is, is, is- good as they can make it
0: i would just say though for the amount of money they put into it obviously they could have started from scratch facebook if they wanted to and built up something themselves yeah but, but it was already there and everybody has a name attached to it yeah it's it's, it's yeah exactly it's the name when you think of vr now you think of that you don't you, sony's is there too but this is the first one that really got into sort of the, the limelight you sure. know and this could be the one that sort of takes over the same way you know how everyone says google when they refer to a search engine there was like Used to be twelve different search engines. You don't hear right. about like
1: Oculus, and it might very well be the PlayStation yeah. Four Morpheus, you know. But yeah, I mean, yeah. No it, one it,
0: says Lycos it. They say Google it, even if you're using <laughs> not a Google website, you know, it's Hotbot or, uh, or, or Jeeves, or I, I used to love Alta Vista, yeah, you Webcrawler know? Vista, web crawler, web crawler was good. What all was the what all, was all the dog? Was that Lycos? Lycos. Yeah. all the Com. That was a good one. I think this might be still Ask around. Jeeves. I just said Ask oh, Jeeves. Did you? That was awkward. They lasted two years, you know, three years, but. Yeah, we'll see what happens. But I think what, what, what people are setting death threats to the development team at Oculus. Come on, really? It's ridiculous.
1: I understand putting money in and feeling burned. I do. But but if you got your stuff from the Kickstarter, you got your stuff, right? No, I mean, but but I think a lot of people now are going to look at how they invest in Kickstarter differently. Well, and that's... I think and I think we could potentially see changes to Kickstarter that do allow that sort of monetary investment where you don't just get
0: a goodie bag. In return, I don't think that's going to come from Kickstarter. I think it's too complicated. There's too much financial well, and tax. I think we, I, there I, are well, sites that are starting I, to pop yes, up. I was going to say, that. right. It's there not, are, not
1: Kickstarter, but there are going to be sites that let you yes. There are sites crowd, that will crowd, let you do that.
0: Crowd investing is going yes. to spring up. This is what's going to be because people are going to look at this and be like, so if I put in uh, $500, my return on investment versus that could have been, if you do the math, maybe it could have been 24 million to two billion is what is that a thousand thousand percent i uh ten thousand percent whatever the math is <laughs> there was actually a quote somewhere that was like if you put, put in for the
1: 300 bundle that would have turned into twenty thousand dollars twenty thousand dollars
0: <laughs> so that's a return of investment of let's see three to a thousand and then another another times 20 that's like over 60 times your investment that's ridiculous you're lucky on a lot of investment nowadays. You get back like three percent, four percent. You're ecstatic. Could you buy do that, some you know? more
1: out loud math? It's incredibly attractive. to
0: Outlaw math. Was that oh,
1: outlaw oh, math? <laughs> outlaw. Out loud math. Out loud. Yeah, yeah, Was yeah. I right? Yeah. Someone's gonna correct
0: me in the comments. <laughs> it's actually Pat. It's actually twenty four point two. You know, return on investment. Whatever. That's the point, though. So. Yeah. In the future, that'd be cool if you could invest. And obviously, they'd have to it have to be tax information and bank account attached. It's not going to be where oh you can plop down a dollar and invest. No, it's going to be probably minimums of five hundred or a thousand oh. to make sure you're real people. It's, you know I mean?
1: it's not. It's not going to be small money, and it's there's going to be risk involved. Of course, there's risk. Right. I mean, there's risk in the Kickstarter. So you're not obligated to get no. anything from Kickstarter. No, but it's a, it's a minor risk as opposed to a much well a much larger risk because because if you, I mean most people are putting stuff down on twenty five and fifty dollars tiers. Sure. You know, I mean, if 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 you set the 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 barrier to entry for something where you're actually investing, uh, you know, from five
0: to a grand, then then there's a risk. All right, we are going to move on to uh, a trailer that came out a few days ago. <sighs> Michael Bay's pro- producing the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Okay, so before I go off on things, <laughs>
1: I would like to state that I uh. I don't actually have problems with uh the guns. I don't really have problems with the explosions. I don't really have problems with a lot of the necess- like the bayisms necessarily. The bayisms
0: you have the slow motion walk of all of them. Is that gonna- <laughs> People like to
1: say that those things never happened. They read a fucking Ninja Turtles comic book from a Mirage Run or, you know, something later like I'm not saying that they were incredibly gritty, but this is not this is not weird stuff, okay? Now to Michael Bay's level, yeah, it's going to seem maybe a little out of place. My problem is is it's casting once again, but with the turtles it's so weird. Well, who's cast as the turtles?
0: I'm not even familiar. I
1: don't even know. But I'm just going to say the the principal actors, okay, the the, the actual turtles themselves look like a pile of green dog shit i mean they look fucking miserable
0: <laughs> with these awful chapped lips and like how, how, it's, how do you really feel about it Ian? no
1: it's it's ridiculous and i feel like michael bay has wanted to fuck over the turtle's image ever since he Almost was on purpose on purpose when he signed on to do the movie now it's odd because i think the shredder is one of the coolest looking fucking shredders i've ever seen the shredder design is Bad ass. Better than how it was uh, twenty years ago. It's just amazing. It's really
0: good looking. I like it. It's
1: it's very much the are, old Shredder outfit.
0: Are you offended that it's uh, that it's a Caucasian playing the role instead of an Asian? No, I did not know that. Michael, what's his name? Feichner? Feichner, is that his name? Fickner. He he's been in lots of stuff. Remember he was uh Ian's getting mad. Do you remember he was the um I don't care who he is! <laughs> I don't wanna know. I'm fucking done. I'm done with this. <laughs> Why does every movie topic have
1: to end with me getting horribly angry and upset about shit that doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of things? I don't have to see this piece of shit. No one has to go see this piece of shit. And everyone's gonna go see it, and Shredder's gonna be played by a fucking white dude, and the turtles look like Shrek without ears and chapped lips, and it's miserable. And April O'Neil is not my April O'Neil. Fuck Megan Fox. They didn't even get a redhead. But they died right her hair. Ah! No!
0: <laughs> Ridiculous. Ridiculous. <laughs> Fucking off. <awful. laughs> what well, were we going to say? Does that offend you that it's a white guy? <laughs> like... Yes. Yeah. I'm suddenly offended about everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, he was the guy that was the, in the bank in the dark night. You remember, he was the guy who so said, You don't know who you're messing with. That guy, he's been in lots of stuff. Oh. A fine actor. He's a great actor. He's also not Japanese. They could have gone and found a Japanese
1: guy. It's not like they don't fucking exist.
0: <laughs> but we have to appeal to the mass audience. <laughs> no! You know, but, you know, but, it, but if he's if Japanese... What am I going to change his name to? Michael Shredder? That might not be probably far off. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't, uh, I haven't... Looked into this as much as you have. I have seen the trailer. I do think it's cool that I do think the motion capture is cool. I do think that's cool. They actually almost look like they're in shells. The guys on set. I know you're you're pained right now. Um, I, I'm hoping that Splinter's still still uh, somewhat based in. So, I,
1: so just get get them some
0: fucking bliss stacks, man. <laughs> I think it's interesting. The snouts bother me, yes, but the lips bother me more. Only because, well, an amphibian having lips is ridiculous, but. It's almost a slap in the face because he put lips on the Transformers, how he put lips on Optimus Prime. Yeah, stop. On robots. Stop. Just stop it. <laughs> Michael. Fuck. It's always, it was always funny to me how a Transformers, how a robot could modulate sound, but still needed lips to articulate, to produce the they're sound. Like, they're like fucking dog lips. They, they're all like black <laughs> and wrinkly and
1: f- miserable. <laughs>
0: Well, I'm going to give you Michael uh, Fickner's IMDb uh, biography. maybe that would help you help you get into the decision more. I don't,
1: I don't...
0: A small-town guy with a big heart. William Fickner has been captivating mm. the hearts of western New Yorkers for decades. <laughs> western New Yorkers? I'm a western New Yorker. He was in Seal Team 6, the Raid on Osama Bin Laden TV movie. He was in Elysium, that that got good reviews last year. He was in The Lone Ranger as Butch Cavendish.
1: Yeah, cuz everyone fucking loved that movie. <laughs>
0: And yes, he is the Shredder in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oof, oof. Oh, he did a voice in Call of Duty: Modern Warfare Three. Oh uh, yeah, I'm more... I just shit my pants
1: <laughs> out of distaste. <laughs> not not uh, not by accident. It was an act of
0: protest. <laughs> it was a, a bowel movement of protest. protest. <laughs> the Megan the Megan Fox thing. Besides the fact that she can't act, that actually that doesn't bother me to that much of an extent. I think that it should because I mean I always loved April I, I love uh, what was her partner was it Burma was that was that her partner the one with the glasses I good. but uh they always seem sort of eh they're just a damsel in distress even though they did get in the cartoon they did get sort of front and center to move don't the story along you
1: fucking talk about April that way you love April don't I, you yeah I do mhm
0: do you have some outfits at, at, at home for for the misses that I know? No. <laughs> no,
1: no, I've I not found an all yellow news uniform for for the for fiance yet. <laughs> no, Those should exist. They probably uh,
0: do. Uh, that's 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 funny. Yeah, can so, we move on?
1: Are you done with this topic? Yeah. I mean, what else is there to say? It's going to be a Michael Bay film with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Pig dogs, and <laughs> it's. I mean, that's that. The shredder costume looks fantastic. The mocap, you're right, looks nice, and maybe the story won't even be utter shit. But I, I am just very turned
0: off by. <sighs> Someone in the chat said the porn actress April O'Neil would do a better job acting as April O'Neil it's in true. the film. Is there a porn actress than like April O'Neil? I'm gonna start googling that now.
1: She doesn't look nearly enough like April O'Neil. But probably.
0: But that's because she's a real life woman. but probably be better choice. That's what people say. Oh, saying. absolutely. <laughs> I don't know, nostrils. I don't get it either. Ah! Okay, moving on. Is <laughs> it time for Q&A? It's time for Q&A. No retro topics this week? I, I think we covered a lot of stuff. Covered a lot of stuff. We'll probably get a retro topic usually in the Q&A. So, we'll again, make sure we have one for the next podcast. Even right. if we discuss our favorite something or another genre. We'll, we'll come back to this. Uh, hopefully there'll be a uh, Superman versus Batman update next time. Uh, by the way, our, our next podcast is going to be in three weeks we need from to, now. We need to check my... You Okay.
2: Yeah. yeah, I'm good.
0: Three weeks from now will be the next podcast uh, because uh, next week we're, we're off and then the next week we get to that I'm not going to be available to do it. So three weeks from now so we'll see you at the 23rd. It's about Anyway, don't so, forget about us. Don't you forget, forget about, about me. And his-
1: oh, whoa, whoa, whoa don't you <laughs> forget about me. You got to get that. You gotta
0: get the pearl earring. Yeah, get the,
1: it's a diamond earring. A diamond earring. Get the clutch. Anyways. doesn't make any more right. manlier.
0: QA. Um, Oh, yeah, so remember, see you podcast hashtag. We'll try to get through some of your questions. We can't answer everyone because of time, because Ian is going to take his break now. To he's going to do some push-ups to get the a- anger out of him, and uh, we'll take a short we'll take a short break while Ian goes uh, throws up. I guess someone did a fan Photoshop online of uh, they actually took the trailer image, of Michelangelo, and they, they
1: look they, they look great actually.
0: You know what the good news is? Huh. They could change that, and it would be a fairly easy change oh, yeah. to put just change the model they're using. Yep. It's not like it's not like, that's all they do. They, they they use a model, and it's not like they're drawing it frame by frame. If they did that, they could do that. They honestly. I'd come. almost buy a ticket. I was like I'd almost buy a ticket. Are they using guns in the movie? Are they confer- No, there's just like enemies
1: with guns. Like, that's, that's never fine. happened. I'm like, yes, it they did it in happen. Car- that's reading that's the fun. fucking book.
0: They had them in the cartoons Yeah, so, you know. How about the neutrinos? Are they going to be in the in the movie or the neutrinos? Oh, I, you know, what
1: I I want the triceratons in a movie.
0: All I want is Bebop and Rocksteady because I was always pissed they were not in the original uh, movies. That really pissed me off. I love Bebop and Rocksteady. They're nowhere in the early canon. I don't don't care. They were in the cartoon and they were great. That's where um, I I couldn't read freaking violent comics when I was nine. You know, then. Okay, (laughs) Q&A. First question. This is from at WTM001. What do you guys think of the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles trailer? (laughs)
1: Um, WTM I I think it looks fantastic actually very optimistic and uh, extremely calm about the prospect I will be there opening night
0: (laughs) this is from that Miss Splendid without spelling splendid uh, 828 oh yeah Uh, bought a 3DS today mainly because of hearing Ian sing his praises on the CU podcast my first non-Sony purchase since the Dreamcast wow well that's not a question but that's impressive Way to go. You are in for
1: tons of fun.
0: Uh, this is more for you than me. I have a little experience. This is from Foxhounder. Uh you've mentioned the Dreamcast before, but what do you think of the Shenmue games?
1: Um I I like them. When it became apparent that it wasn't going to be finished, at least back then, I, I never bothered, you know, going much further than messing around with the first one of it. But I really appreciated like the attention to detail. Um it's not exactly your question. What I do really like is the Yakuza series, which a lot of people saw as kind of, well, I can't do Shenmue anymore, so I'm going to do Yakuza. And that has been a fantastically fun series. Um, really good set of games. And with all the renewed interest in Shenmue... You know, and the fact that he keeps saying he'd love to finish Shenmue, I'd really like to see what he could do with a combination of systems from Shenmue and Yakuza. Yakuza is a bit less rigid in terms of its its open its open structure. Okay, whereas Shenmue was very rigid in terms yeah. of like you getting home, getting on the bus and stuff. For, yeah, that
0: was a huge right. selling point at the time. There wasn't so, many open world games like that. Yakuza
1: handles fighting kind of in a similar way and handles game structure and like the the little towns and everything the same, but. You're you're not married to a clock on. A, I mean, there's okay. still like hours of operation, but you're not married to a clock on like what you have to do necessarily. Oh, yeah. So I would love to see you know th- that uh, Shenmue come back and, and and incorporate some of those
0: yakuza elements in. At shipwreck underscore zero zero, M m82 on eBay. There is one on eBay. First one in probably I think four months, five months. Um, it's at like seventeen hundred with a week left. That's just ridiculous. I mean, I know they've well, gone for like. The most I've seen one go for, I think, was maybe two grand. But at that rate, it's going to go for more than that. I mean, it was funny how I was looking for mine forever. Then I bought one. Um, at the time, I think I overpaid. And then, of course, I didn't see one for a year. Then after I got mine, there was like three on eBay within like six months. And they went for like half what I paid. But now they're in demand more. So then I bought mine in 2009. You know, five years later, people want them more. Right. Maybe because of my videos. I don't know. Who knows?
1: Here I am filling silence while Pat looks for a question. Cartridge
0: Brothers at Cartridge Brothers. The PS4 is getting a price increase in Canada. Have you seen a console go up in price before? Do you think it will hurt sales? Has it gone up in here too, or just no, no? It's mean, a shipping issue, maybe. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, there's any number of reasons why. I don't uh, know I why that it. that price increase happened. Um, could it hurt sales? Yeah, definitely. I have no idea why. They would be doing that. Maybe it's a shortage of supply. Maybe there's a lot of people up there who want it. Maybe it's a supply-demand thing. Um, um, with the Canadian... I think the Canadian dollar is not doing so hot it, right now, it, too. Is it weakened? Is that part yeah, of it? Yeah. That's the only thing I can think of. I think the Canadian dollar has been weakening um, pretty drastically over the past couple of months, which may be causing it to get the price increase. Okay. At which point... Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I kind of see why they might need to do that. Okay.
0: Um, <clears throat> this is from uh, Mega5K. Megan, hey, Megan. She's usually in the chat. Hello, Megan. If you could bring back one defunct video game company for a comeback, which one would it be and why? Uh, Hudson Soft, because
1: why Why should I answer that question any other way?
0: Well, go second. I think a secondary one, I'd love to see Data East come back. Be, they always have some cool games. Sure. But yeah, the B. Yeah, and they can because Konami owns the rights. Just do something with those properties. I'll, I should we should we should do a uh, Kickstarter to raise the money to give us the rights to Hudson Soft properties. Let's just do it. Yeah, it's our responsibility. Stop shaking, Ian. I can't read the. <laughs> uh, this is from at shipwreck again. Are you guys doing the video game years clear up to current day consoles? The plan is to get to 1990 at this point. Right the the initial the initial idea was
1: to, the Kickstarter. Is from now until 1990. Yeah, the Indiegogo Indiegogo. is to 1990. The original discussed plan was that if we got that far, the cutoff would be the launch of the Dreamcast. Yeah, about that, about 2000. Roughly, basically, you can look at the Dreamcast as kind of like the last retro
0: console. That's how I do it. I know people always have the sliding scale of what's retro. I personally don't at this point. I just don't. I don't Honestly, maybe because I didn't grow with it, I'm never going to look at the PS3 as retro. I don't care if I'm 50 50 years from now. I'm never going to look at it. I mean, it's going to be, but
1: I I just think in terms of... In terms terms of technology... I'm not even talking about...
0: I'm not even talking about, like... um,
1: I'm not even talking about, like... uh, like actual age but i'm just talking like how games were perceived how yes. games were marketed how ga- like that's the, the, the the whole <clears throat> feeling around video games i feel like the dreamcast was the last system that had that playstation super nintendo nintendo type of and feel and i to always it.
0: say it was the last system that its games were featured in the arcade yeah that that to me defines it as retro sure because of that uh, I know people got I mean, some people got on us about when we, we talked about where retro Game is going to be, where retro game Collect is going to be in ten years, and how people were like, "Oh, the Xbox and PS2 have some great games." You guys are just you know fanboys who like, like, "Oh, gaming didn't end with the Super Nintendo." That's not what we said. Right. What we're saying is the games from that era are not having the same impact. Are not going to be as remembered the same way the Nintendo games, Super Nintendo, N64, even. And even Atari were, it, it, it's in setting up what video games were. The type of collecting and the reason
1: for the collecting is going to be different. Yes, yes. there's always going to be collecting, but no, I don't think it's going. Yeah, I mean that's all we we're really trying to say. Yes. It's not going to be the same. Not, we didn't say there's no good games on the Xbox or PS2. We didn't say that at all. No, I have a, I have a stacks of good games for those. What we're well, saying so is PS2, but-
0: the collectability. I think is going to be vastly different than just, of course, are people going to want it? Are, are, are people that were three-year-olds that had a PS2 going to want to go back and buy the games? Yeah, that's probably, is there going to be a fervor for getting PS2 games as NES? Never. I don't with, see with that.
1: With the NES, roughly 750 games, you know, people who want the complete set, you get the good with the bad, you get the sports with the good action in the RPG, because it's just how you complete a set. We're, get, we're, talk, we're not talking about systems that have sets that are just... I mean, even though you could get most of those games for cheap, beyond most people's ability to store
0: or even want that much, I think. Sure. This is from at Griffwad eighty three. A question from a UK fan, what are your views on the Sega Master System best underrated eight bit console? I would say that is the PC engine slash TurboGrafx graphics more underrated? Yes.
1: Uh, I mean, it depends. They're both. I mean, the Master System has gained a, I mean, both of those systems have gained a lot of
0: popularity.
1: Are there any other eight-bit systems? No. Out I mean, there? the problem, <laughs> the problem is, is, you look at you, you look at a
0: computer a Atari computer. Yeah, like I mean them, the, I the mean.
1: computers, but you look at the Nintendo and the Master System as eight-bit home consoles, and then you look at the Turbo Graphics as basically an eight-bit home console. And I think let's put it this way: I think they're both getting their due now. Yeah, could they more. could they have been underrated in the past? Yes, but I think they're both starting to get their due.
0: Master At, System's a ton of fun. That's why I completed my set. Because I thought I should. <laughs> At Geron, that disappointment in your eyes. At Geron, uh 0004, who writes for the punk effect, which video game box art mostly, mostly misrepresented, I guess mo- most of all, misrepresented what the game was about, a.k.a. the first Mega Man? I don't think the first Mega Man was that far off. The a guy shooting. I know he had a gun in his hand. I would say the all just all those Atari games are Yeah, terrible. that's
1: what I was going to say. But basically, anything Activision put out uh, like Atari-wise, you know, even if they
0: looked like well, did it, but didn't at least the Activision games eventually they actually showed some of the
1: art a little bit. Yeah, but on I, think, it, or I, think, I think the resolution. I think it was they pumped the resolution. Yeah, I think they pumped the it.
0: resolution up a little bit. But-, but at least that's better than the painted like people on a planet. And these those are like professional drawings of like you know for like I'm talking like for um like. um Missile command. Yeah, It'll, it's it, well, okay. it's not even close. Here, here's one of my favorites:
1: the cover for 3D Tic Tac Toe. Okay, it's like this holographic field, and there's like people standing around. <laughs> I'm really? Yeah, if I remember correctly. Or, or uh, another good one is the checkers one that's got like kings and stuff, and like royalty in the background. So it's, and it's not like, even close. That. It's just like yeah, I mean, all of those were really really awful. If I had to think of something, my I, I don't know. I mean. That's the problem. Like when people ask for absolutes on the fly, it's tough to think of something. Yeah, um, I was.
0: I would say even the NES didn't misrepresent what their art as much as Atari did. Because the Atari, they were like drawn like, you know, they can be put in. They can be put up in a museum. Some of those paintings, you know, paintings. Yeah, I mean, they were real. I'm not saying they They were really, really well done. Whoever did those. And there's a lot of them that were obscure. But I think by the time you get to,
1: you know, label art on the NES, you know, you realize that it's just. A cover image—it's just art, you know. What I mean, I think it's tough to get super misrepresented.
0: This is from at Mithril Mage. Do you think we'll see a game disc slash cartridge less society in our lifetime? I guess that means they're gone. In terms of new ones, probably. I, I think there might always be a sort of niche for like maybe a major release, or maybe they'll put out a special edition that's only on disc, or. You'll see Kickstarters, and they'll say like, "Okay, you can buy our indie game. We'll put it on a CD." But I think we might get to that point that yeah, there'll be new games coming out that you only download. I think we'll get to that point. Maybe twenty years from now. I really uh,
1: think, I really think we're closer to it than that with the with consoles. If if consoles continue to be a thing, now on PC, especially with indie games, uh, you know, a lot of these developers have are artists themselves, or they have artist friends. There's a kick, a joy, I'm sure, out of making a really nice physical package oh, for yeah. someone who would want it. You know, um, I used whenever, whenever I used to make mix CDs. You know, I'd burn them on shitty burns, but I would make like fun sleeves and you know, cut out holes and make them. So there's always going to be a, a market for that. But I think, yeah, we're going to totally move towards uh, digital only soon,
0: for better or for worse. This is from at Squirrel Mafia, which I love that name. It's a good name. <laughs> Best NES gaming accomplishment. This, I don't know, doing the Contra No Death run with no sleep for a day, that's, I think that was impressive. That is
1: impressive. I don't have a lot of good NES accomplishments because I suck at video games. <laughs> but beating DuckTales in 13 minutes is my best time, and I'll never get better than that, but I'm
0: happy enough like, with it. I can't remember the last time I beat Ninja and I should try to beat that for the... I, th- I know every year I try to at least beat it. I can get so far, then that last fucking stage is just killer. It's like, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. I'm awful, or at least it gets so hard that last level. Like it just yeah. goes... It, it's, it's harder and harder, than it just goes like that. It just it just goes astronomically. Yeah, you're
1: harder. not climbing a hill anymore; you're scaling a yeah. wall.
0: <laughs> yeah, but uh, I don't know. I mean, beating Mike Tyson was pretty tough the first time I did it. I, I did. I remember the first time I beat Mike Tyson. It was in front of like, I think I was like in college or just out of college. In college, I think it was. I was home for like Christmas break, and it was like in someone's basement, big screen TV. You know, we're talking uh, 30... 30 not maybe 30, 20 people. Girls there, I'm trying to be cool, and I beat Mike Tyson for the first time in front of all of these people. And I can not nice. believe it.
1: I beat all the Disney games. I mean, that's not really an accomplishment. That's just
0: something that I was happy that I did. This is from that classics R. if you had a kid and had to name them after a video game character, what would you name them? Bubsy? No. <laughs> um, uh, Cookie from Panic Restaurant. Spoon from Crash and the Boys Street Challenge. Was you was you ever name name a girl Zelda? I know Is a too cliche at this point. It would have been cool like fifteen years ago, but now everyone is, yeah is probably doing it. Yeah, like Rob Williams did it, you know. <laughs> but but now it's too late. I don't know. I never thought about that. I always like classical names out for girls like Alexandria, Elizabeth. I like those sort of. Alexandria names. is very pretty. Very pretty name. I know girls are named it. So out there, if you're gonna have kids, don't don't name your kid that. I'm, I got dibs if I ever have a kid. Um, <clears throat> this is for you at Rickety Rack. <laughs> Another pinball-related question. Out of the billions of pinball games for PS1, which ones do you think are worth playing? For PS1? Yeah, I didn't know there was a lot of PS1 Um, games.
1: I like Pro Pinball Big Race USA. That one's pretty good. Uh, Definitely avoid Austin Powers Pinball. Um, Was that based on the arcade one? No. No. Uh, The Pro Pinball series has a fishing-themed one and an America-themed one as well. Yeah, just like, America! But the... The the big race USA for only being one table uh, really impressed me with how much fun I had with it. You should be able to get that for five bucks. This is from
0: at Shinks H. Does the U.S. retro market influence the EU market? And any EU only NES games you two recommend? Greetings from I guess that says the NL Netherlands. Uh I don't think that, I don't think those markets really affect each other much. I
1: think I think Japanese markets and U.S. markets can affect each other because of PAL NT or NTSC and the fact that it's, uh, it, it's a more sim. It's more similar, but I I really don't. I, I feel like the EU collecting market for NES is completely separate from the Nintendo one, and I don't think it affects it much because of the PAL difference and the fact that Nintendo games then there were. I mean, there were differences in speed and playability. I just I I think. They exist on their own. That's my guess. I could be wrong.
0: Recommendation? What is there? I always forget how many exclusives in EU that weren't here on the NAS. I want to say there was like 15 that came out. There was Lion King, right? Lion King, Smurfs, Mr. Gimmick, uh, Rod Rodland, um Oh got Asterix, Prince Valiant, Beauty and the Beast. I'm running out of steam. Banana Banana Prince. That's a... I've been up and an asterix were the only other two that I knew. So, anyway, there's like maybe a dozen, 14, that came out there and not here. Uh, Mr. Jimmy can't go wrong, of course, but it's so expensive. I think it's probably like a $400 game now loose. You know, I probably should have bought one, it once like 150 right. a few years back. Um, well, I'm surprised I ran off that many. I'm pro- I'm the asterix
1: I've never played the NES one, but they tend to be fairly decent. Like, the Genesis one's oh, kind of fun. Uh,
0: the Noah's Ark game, that's another one. Uh, which I want to get. That one does not run, even on the Power Pack, it does not run on a U.S. Uh, system properly. Uh, some of them don't. Elite's another one. See, now I don't think I'm thinking of Elite. Maybe elite. That doesn't run on the U.S. system properly, unfortunately. Yeah, get Elite. That's probably why I wouldn't be able to uh, uh, review it, I hate to say it, because I can't play it. Right. I really can't, unless I use an emulator. Who wants to do that? It's not fun. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, will you guys, this is from at NL Productions, will you guys be attending the Classic Gaming Expo in Vegas in September? Maybe for me, probably not for Ian. The, pr- the only problem with September is that's probably when the marathon's going to be. We're going to have to narrow down the exact weekend. Looking at the l- late September, that's earlier September. So that might be the weekend that we were going to do it. Like September, I think that's like 10th or about. Um, we'll see. It's I'd- short. It's a short distance. I'd love to. There's no way in hell I'm going to have the time. Well, there you go. Uh, this is from at Tempest 2000. Ah, I need that. I don't think I have that for a Jaguar. I have a box copy at the store right now. How much? Uh, 20, 25. I'll, I'll look it up. Ah, okay. Don't, don't, don't give it out to everyone. They're going to come snag it. Um, uh, what do you think about the future of handheld gaming? Will will come a future ne- next generation? I guess it means will there be a next generation? Yes. I think without Nintendo's controlling the market and doing great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I
1: mean, Nintendo is doing fine in the handheld market. It's beyond uh, fine. Yeah, beyond yeah. fine. I don't really know about Sony. I like the Vita for what it is. But, um, yes, I think there is always, at least for now, see, consoles... Consoles can be replaced by computers that are more set up specifically for gaming rather easily because that's what you do when you sit at home and you game. But there's always going to be people who want to take a a, a portable system out and play games. And I'm sorry, the phone just doesn't hack it most of the time. You're not going to no. find a deep, rich experience. So I don't know how many players there would be in a next generation, but I would say that Nintendo will, it will certainly have another handheld.
0: Sure. They've been, controlling I mean, They've been controlling the market now for twenty five years. Yeah. No and
1: and that and this is why of, and, yeah. and this is why Nintendo doesn't dilute their their popular franchise by making phone games and bullshit yeah. like that is because they keep you locked into their their mobile device. They make you fall in love with the mobile device because it's the only thing
0: that can provide you with that sort of game. Those sorts of games. At Aunt Mid-Call, have you ever seen a fan at a swap meet? And also, thanks for making flea Markets awesome for me. Well, I don't know how I made them awesome for you, but okay. Thank you. Um, yeah, um, it's probably been about, I want to say, between 10 and a dozen times where fans have approached me at, at the swap meet. Um, it comes in weird waves. And for a couple reasons. One, I usually leave before a lot of the people, mainstream people, show up. I'm gone by 9.30, 10. And that's when a lot of people usually start showing up, like 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock. Um, So that's one reason why I don't run them that often, but it will go like I won't one won't approach me or notice me for. Plus, I'm kind of incognito most of the time. It's kind of probably hard to pick me out unless you really see me. Um, But it'll be like three months, and then I'll see someone, or someone will see me three times out of four. You know, I mean, four weeks. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Frank's gonna recognize more uh, when I'm with Frank. Usually, he's the one that people spot first because he's Frank. Frank was spotted at a Target a week ago. I didn't tell you that. Nice. Two people came up to him. I guess a guy and his girlfriend came up to him. All he's like, he's like, yeah, a regular person is buying paper towels. You know, <laughs> he's fascinated by it still. All right, um, I am too. People come into the store
1: and they're like, "Hey, Ian," and I'm like, "Hi." You don't know if they know you just from the store. or I from don't. The videos. I don't know who you are yet. Yeah. But they say, "Yeah, I see you from the videos." So. But apparently, we're on a first name basis.
0: That's, uh, that's increased. You said the past. Uh, it's couple increased years. a lot. Podcast. <laughs> what versions of games made for multi platforms in the eight slash sixteen bit era? You think were better? Me, James Bond Junior on NES is greater than the SNES version. I don't think I played the SNES ver- ver- S version. Yeah, SNES version of that. Um, which ones are? Uh, just I'll try to think of one example. Well,
1: I mean, games like Uncharted Waters and. Um... You know what? Smash TV, yeah. It's obviously, the Super Nintendo it's your
0: perfect arcade translation.
1: Um, people know? will, I mean, argue that the uh, Captain America and the Avengers game is better on the Genesis, and it is on the Super Nintendo. Well, it's about
0: eight bit versus sixteen. 8 bit versus sixteen bit. Super Off Road is awesome on Super Nintendo, except there's no four players like there was on the NES, unfortunately. But you know, so you're always going to have you're always going to have the give and take. Uh, For things like that. There are some, I'm trying to think of an 8 bit one quickly that's better on the NES and Super Nintendo.
1: I'm trying to think of that too. We
0: have to come back to that.
1: Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question though. Any of those? Like, 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 really, that's the Like Jetsons or Wayne's
0: World? Is any of those. (laughs) That's what
1: I would want to focus on though. Is there one that's better on the Nintendo than the Super?
0: Uh, I don't really know. Next question from Unfrankable. I can't read it. Do I
1: want to count Mighty Final Fight? I mean, it's different, but, I mean, I like that way better. That's I think th- I think that's not... Argu- I, that's that's arguably better than the the, the Final I Fight port. I might have to... Yeah, might the,
0: Yeah, But it's not the same game, though. It's but the it's, I know, it's not. It's but I'm just saying, that, I mean, that's that's the only thing
1: I can think of off the top of my head. That's a great
0: hand. game that's probably now worth 180 loose or something. I, I sold mine for 80. You sold yours? Recently? No, this was a while back. Yeah. Um, do you think we're too critical of games as we get older? Maybe because we can just go get a new one whenever we want. I don't know. I think we're more critical because there's more reviews out there. There's more. You know more about these games. It's not like before when your your gaming world was more limited in scope. Now it's there's so many more games you can download for free on your phone all the time. Or uh, there's so many more Steam games and indie games you can download. I think that's really it. It's the accessibility. I'm I'm you know. more critical of games. I
1: think. Now, because of the limited amount of time I actually have to play them, there you go.
0: Uh, but back- you pre-screen though. You're not going to go. You're going to you're going to invest your time in a game you, you know you're going to like, right? Versus trying one that you're not going to spend fifty dollars on a crap. Well,
1: no, but I'm still saying like that. That's I mean, even if I here's the thing. There, you're right, but it still leads to that kind of disappointment and criticism because I may pre-screen it. I'm very good at knowing what I'm going to like or not like, but it might just not be good enough for it to work its way into my rotation and I never see it. So yeah, I mean, I tend to, these days, especially I buy very, very selectively and I'm very critical of what I buy and like careful of what I buy because I just know that the, the chance of me actually being able to play more than five to 10 hours of it. Dude, I I I've logged like 21 hours in the Gundam Breaker. That's like the most I've logged into a, a PlayStation Three game in years.
0: At its rocket sauce, did you guys ever watch ECW back in back in the day? I did. I did too. I, I used to watch it. I want to say '97, '98. at its peak, MSG Network in New York would run it as almost like it was almost like an infomercial. How they were running it at like. Midnight or one in the morning on yep. Saturday night. I you remember that, where they would show up for like an hour block. It was almost like an infomercial. They would just roll over the same. Yep. Like they would, they would show a match, then they would be like, "We're coming to this thing." Then show a, a, one of their hot girls stripping or whatever. Then go back to another match and just roll it like that. It was really bizarre. It was very, very cool though.
1: Yeah, it was tough to tune into it with any regularity because it only was on yes. on on a regular schedule for a, you know brief periods of time. Then it was on TNN for yeah. a little bit. But I did watch it. Um, I went to one I, I we did order the pay-per-views my friends and I and I did go to a pay-per-view in I believe it was a pay-per-view in Buffalo November no to remember. And it I believe it was a it was a headline with a Jerry Lynn uh, Rob Van Dam match which were always very good. Of course, um, very great. I just can't remember if it was a pay-per-view or not. But yeah, I mean no ECW was a lot of fun.
0: At Mark Varley 64 who writes on the Punk Effect. Uh, with GBA games imminently arriving on Wii U. I didn't know that. What were your favorite GBA games you'd like to see to come to Wii U? It's so all angry. you. I'm so angry.
1: I'm so angry. What? Why are GBA games coming to Wii U and not the fucking 3DS where it makes goddamn sense? They don't have the infrastructure, I guess, lined up. Nintendo! Ah! Okay, anyways. Um, I love Metroid Zero Mission, uh, which is basically a remake of the original Metroid with added content on the end. Um... I liked the first two Advance Wars games. Um, I liked the... Well, my brother always recommended the Golden Sun games. I was appreciative of all the re-releases of the Mario games. I mean, it was a money maker for them, but it was just nice being able to take Mario 3 on the go with a save okay. feature. Like, that, that was awesome. Yeah, I would agree with that yeah, save that, that That's totally great. So, uh, Drill Dozer by Game Freak, the people who do Pokemon. Drill Dozer is a fantastic game on that system. Um... All the Castlevanias that were on the GBA were really good. Yep. Uh, well, Circle of the Moon was iffy, but um, Harmony of Dissonance and Aria of Sorrow were really good. I don't know. I mean, I can could, I could keep going. But uh, Drill Dozer, I would absolutely recommend. And Metroid Zero Mission, I
0: would absolutely recommend. At M9v13, how often do you have time to play games? I honestly... Maybe an hour a day. That's probably at most. And what games are you currently playing? I'm playing a bunch of NES games right now. What about you? Um... I have about
1: an hour at most, if, if I'm lucky. A lot of days I don't I don't game at all, and then I'll usually yeah. try to game for a couple hours in a row on my days off. So what have I been playing? I've been playing a little bit of Dark Souls 2, um, and I'm liking it a lot. You know, It's a game that very much appeals to anyone who likes old-school games because of the structure and the challenge that's in it. Uh, I've also been playing um, Gundam Breaker again online with a friend a lot. Uh, it's an awesome game to just mash buttons to, have a beer, and chat. Um, and then it's, it's, what I've really been playing. Um, my fiance's brother and I have gotten into a heated, heated devil's crush high score competition. So we have been playing some insane rounds of video pinball nice. and there's been a lot of trash talking. Um, my PC engine has been my system of choice for three years. It's hooked up. I'm always playing stuff on that.
0: We had a blast playing, uh, for the Justin. And I, yeah. Stream. I would have played for another five hours. That was really fun. We should do that. We should just do that sometime. Stream some, some, uh, turtle <laughs> duo. Yeah. Um, This is from at Steve underscore 3G. Ian, any advice for someone thinking of opening a used retro gaming shop? Other than don't. (laughs) I would just say, check to make sure you're the only one in the vicinity. Well, here's the deal. you got to look
1: around. If there's other ones in the vicinity... You have to make sure that you're going to be able to compete with their prices in a meaningful way. You also want to go in and see what they're offering or more specifically not offering that you can offer. Um, something that I, and I hate to say this, something that I find very frequently in uh, video game stores, uh, independent ones, is uh, what they're not offering is customer service. Um, it's I realize that I've been portrayed as an ass in Pat's videos, and I can come across as snarky, but I really do try to make sure everyone who's in the store is enjoying themselves and having a good time. And I always try to give them good advice. Um, You know, build up a huge collection of games. Build up so many games that you do not ever have to go to flea markets or Craigslist to re-up your stock. You need to have enough games to last yourself until you get trade-in business coming. That's really, really important, and I cannot stress that enough. I really cannot stress that enough. If you're going to open a store, have doubles, triples, multiples, and just have a ton. Um, It's going to be tougher for you now because back when, say, Treg, the owner at Luna Video Games, did it, he was buying games when I was buying games, back when you could get a lot of good stuff for very cheap at flea markets. Now that's going to be really tough. You're going to kind of have to do it off your own collection, and your collection's going to have to be big either that or you're going to have to
0: have a, a, So you're a, saying to get started or you need a massive collection Yeah or you need you a
1: massive collection because you're not going to just fall into the collection like, I, and, like, could start, I could
0: start a store but unless you have a collection Mine is going to be tough.
1: Right. Um, you, you could try things like, you know, opening uh, promotions where you offer a shitload of credit in for return trades. for certain stuff, and, you know, you can be selective so that you can build up your stock that way. Whenever we run low on stock, you know, for a certain system, um, like the we Are 360 we will always do, uh, you know, trade in, you know, any three games that aren't sports games, even if they're worth nothing, just like a dollar, like and we'll give you an extra 15 in credit. So I mean like you can have garbage games laying around and we'll get it doesn't matter, we just need stuff on our shelves because that stuff that looks useless to us or to you is something that someone's still gonna pick up for five bucks. It just looks nicer when your shelves get emptier. So I could actually offer a lot of advice. I'm gonna stop there, but you know, make sure that the competition's not too heavy in your area, make sure you're good at customer service, make sure you're well stocked for opening.
0: Uh, then sell Pat the NAS Punk Volume 1 and 2 and 3. I
1: gotta perhaps. tell you, our profit margins have skyrocketed since we've started <laughs> doing that.
0: <laughs> uh, there's someone that you can answer this offline about uh, these are descendants about linking how many webpage or Twitter about. Making a chiptune Game Boy, so you can respond to that. Okay. Uh, you, who's your, this is from at, at the five count. Who's your favorite character in Techno World Wrestling? Is it Rex Beat? I bet it's Rex Beat. Love this show. I forget who Rex Beat is, actually. I actually uh, forget yeah.
1: the names. I was playing Techno World so Wrestling. Was the wasn't, wasn't,
0: wasn't there a guy named Dragon Ninja or something? Yeah, I think yeah, that was, that was guy like named Pat, Pat something. I think I tried to use him. His name was Pat. Yeah, um, I, the names are eluding me awesome right now. Game. But they're all really fun. Uh, someone said MST3K returns to the airwaves July 5th on RTV. I have no idea. I did not hear about that. I have to look that up. Sorry, Matt Geiger. This is from Matt Hugo Aronzayz, who writes on the Punk Effect. He does great articles about like the psychology of uh, of things in video games, nice. like, like like the um, the Uncanny Valley things like that. Um, is it possible to see one last great Undertaker fight before he retires, or is he too older already? I think that the, the fact that he has such a, a, a ring presence and charisma that that makes up for a lot. Uh, even if even if he's slow to get around, he the pops he gets are still incredible. Yeah. And maybe because he only shows up once a year, or the fact that he's like a legend in the business, that I, I think he can go until he wants to stop. Even though his body's been breaking down the past three, four I years. think his body is gonna stop him at some point.
1: But we have to remember that Taker did not always put on good mania matches. Taker put on a lot of really. Garbage mania matches until like. well John Gonzales' first taker wasn't good. Yeah, but you know, I think he's realized now that the streak. I mean, ever since the streak became a thing, especially because he's only. I mean, the guy wants to work. He wants to make it look good, and even he if loves that business, yeah, yeah, and even if that means you know someone's gonna kind of carry him a little bit, right? He's got his spots, and he's got at this point, unlike previous Undertakers, he finally has the gimmick he'll probably run with until he's done. You know He's got his pers- course, presence, yeah. his persona, and he really can pick whoever he wants to work yes. with. And they're going to put on a good match. So even if he can't do a lot, I bet you there's a lot of Randy Savage stuff going on in the background for his Mania matches where they get together and they really kind of script out the the story and the, the motion of the match more. Yeah, I think he's got at least two or three more good matches in him.
0: What about Sting? <laughs> you <They> like Sting? <laughs> Sting it will be next year versus Sting, hopefully, and I will love that match. I just don't you know, want him
1: to put. I just don't want him to put this thing over. I want him to put over a young guy when he goes out. I don't think that, yeah, he's
0: I, he's never going to lose. He's going to retire with it. I think that's. I don't. I don't. Adamant. You you
1: you you make. Here uh, we are talking about wrestling. You make the streak worthless if he doesn't drop it to someone. No, you when make he the retires. streak worthless
0: if you do. And I
1: I some other time.
0: I completely disagree on that. It'll be this big thing that it, no one ever be. Plus, who are you going to put over that? If he was going to put someone over, he would have done it already. That was big in the business. You know, or like CM Punk would have been the guy. You know, like... Yeah. I think I think it's the the build-up to the best way... Or Randy Orton. I, Rand-
1: I think it's the best way he can leave. No. I, I disagree. I disagree.
0: I think That's the, boring as shit. I don't think so. That is fucking boring. Because whoever beats it, then... It's almost like they can never lose a, it. It almost damns them because they'll never be able to lose a big-time match because that's like the biggest match in professional wrestling. You know, no, but it's, you know it's, what I mean? it's, it's like, not.
1: It is for as long as is undefeated, but once he's defeated, it, it, it's it's fine. Mm. it's so
0: sure. boring to have him retire with this Jim Ross and I disagree with you okay because he said it should never be broken um, what was your, this is from Adam Bolin we have about 10 more we're going to finish it up soon what was your favorite toy growing up uh, or what was the one toy you wanted so bad favorite toy growing up was G.I. Joe I loved G.I. Joe for the fact that the characters were articulate in the, in the arms and, and the knees and everything and the fact that they all had awesome background stories on the file cards, that was, you understand how much that put into it—the fact that they actually gave the, the guys personalities—and it shined through on the TV show. That every guy had a specific background and accent, they're from a different part of the country, and they had their own little quirks. And that, to me, that that more than any other cartoon, like really reinforced that that they were actually characters. And so when you're playing with the toys, you're playing with the character. That that to me was big, bigger than anything else for that. What what toy did I want? I'm Sorry, your your favorite one? Oh,
1: um. I, I I had two. Plus, I, they had cool
0: weapons too, GI Joe. They had really cool weapons.
1: My the two that I loved was I had a trans, I, not a transformer. I had a Voltron. I was I had not. A yeah. I was not crazy uh, into a lot of the cartoons that were popular is when I was a kid, and I also didn't ask for a ton of toys. Um, I I liked board games and books and stuff like that, but I loved my Voltron that came apart. I think it was the actual metal diecast one. I had but, the one that
0: was like yeah, it was like a foot.
1: Yeah, I, I yeah I believe so. And then my f- the most my plastic. my favorite toy of all time when i was a kid and man now that i'm thinking about it i don't have any i would love to just be gifted a, like i just want someone to I, I want to find a box of this old hot wheels to- uh, cars and track holy fuck dude i did i love that stuff and no, i'm, not no, I'm not hot I, I, I was so into hot wheels as a kid which is funny because i give not a damn about cars today well, love the hot wheels. but um, and I'm not talking about the ones with the stupid wheels that speed them up and spin them through. I'm talking about, you no, know, you get the clamp and you clamp it up to the top of something high and you know, you set up the old oh, it's just a track where, where you, where you drop it down the hill and you make it do the track as far as you can. I had the monster I, one. Yeah. I, oh my God, Hot Wheels cars
0: and track. I spent so many hours on that stuff. I had this weird, I think it was Matchbox, not Hot Wheels, where two monster cars, I think someone there realized what this was and they're like monster cars that all would like flip over or like go underneath each other. Oh, I should I should rebuy it just because it's. Well, hilarious.
1: I I just what I played with as a kid was just the generic track yeah, because back then yeah. you could buy like just generic you packs. Could you, could, you could buy packs of just straight and packs of curves, and you know you you know you buy the jump. Pack I had
0: one that had, you just construct. I had one that had little houses. It was like a street there was stop signs, and oh, I mean, signs. I, I've never that's cool never I don't know out. if it was branded it could have been a matchbox thing I, I, I uh, was
1: matchbox was way more into the like the city and town stuff they had They had a
0: garage maybe yeah but my brother had the garage and it was cool I, that was cool it was it was with the, with the elevator yeah the elevator yeah and the parking garage I see a garage I see a garage which my parents got I might have gotten like that at one a, at a garage sale I like those but I, had a, I had a lot of hand-me-down toys or stuff from garage sales. I had a castle Grayskull from a garage sale missing some of the pieces that's where I got a lot of Toys. Yeah, we discussed this I had yeah. so many
1: I mean that's where I got a half this this Hot Wheels yeah. stuff was that
0: uh this is from that blaster master how come DC can't make make movies besides Batman and Watchmen I'll debate Watchmen as well as Marvel franchises I think it's the fact that it's, it's putting the right people in place I think it's the fact that Marvel since they controlled it directly uh DC doesn't control it directly Warner Brothers right. does that's a big thing. So you have a movie company that doesn't understand the comics and the comic audience trying to make comic book movies versus Marvel controlling it with their guys and getting people into it and making sure that they have a handle on it. So when So when Marvel makes these movies, they know beforehand what they want out of the entire universe of the movies, and they know creatively what they want, well, they have, and they control that better.
1: They have a cohesive creative team, which yeah. means they can do things like the, the great build-up they did to Avengers. Sure. Whereas, you know... Nolan's Batman run was good, but I don't... I can't think of anything else, and, uh... Yeah, it's... It, 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 it,
0: there's no cohesion. Uh, this is from at NARC Podcast. how to dream that Sting helps helps Daniel Bryan beat Triple H with a baseball bat on Sunday? <laughs> would you mark out? I would. oh, you damn right I'd mark out. I'm like uh, right now thinking about it. You like, like Sting. At Video Game Heaven, what's the coolest item you ever won from an arcade? Example, Plush, Toy Electronics, etc. Oh, man, um... I always love that spot. I know it's a cliche answer over there. I love that spot just because it's cool and it's part of my... It it was at Casino Pier in Seaside Heights. It's really tough because my parents didn't have a lot of money to give me to waste on worthless tokens to trade in. It's like, if you actually looked in the monetary value of what you're getting back, it's like 20% that you get back. I remember my friend or cousin, they would just blow money, and they got enough for a Nintendo game. I remember, which back in like the late '80s, it was probably like seventy thousand points. And now it's probably the equivalent of like four hundred dollars. Right? You know, like so, it didn't make any sense. No, you know, to spend that money. Obviously, it's fun, and it's a game you get back. But I don't, I don't even know. I mean, I can't think of anything else outside that spot and Spider Rings, and little and parachute guys and army guys. I love, the, I also love getting the Cowboys and Indians uh, set. The little guys like like I for some reason I just love playing with those guys on the bed and, and my grandma's little uh, bungalow that you know Yeah, my favorite stuff like that.
1: I always got the, the I always get the finger traps. Fingers. Tra- I always get the finger traps, what the item? spider rings and the uh individually wrapped uh, fruit flavoured Tutsi rolls. That's I, don't remember that. I don't
0: remember the candy, but I remember the little plastic toy. They still have it, bless it. At Seaside Heights, you go down there, they still have it. It's like a tradition. You can still get for five points, you can get a little maybe maybe candy, but you can get a little plastic toy. That's awesome. You know, little little rings and stuff. <laughs> This is from Helen. I have to uh, say this one. Uh, Pat and Ian in, in, in caps yelling. So which male video game character would you personally love as a best friend and why? I guess who would be your, your bromance?
1: Uh, well, I think he's male. Yeah.
0: Uh, Kirby. Is he male? That was actually a joke in my latest video saying I don't know if he's a male or female.
1: Oh, uh, I'm going to say Kirby. Kirby's a guy. Kirby's a guy's
0: name. I'm going to say uh, Danny Sullivan from Danny Sullivan's Indeed.
1: I want to be best friends with Kirby, because who wouldn't? Think of, think, I mean, if you needed a hug, who could give a better hug than Kirby? Problems? But so then he would eat you. No, not necessarily. Not if he liked you. Not necessarily. He, he got, got clean up. He got mad at you. How do
0: you get mad at me? Imagine if, if I got mad at you and I just ate you.
1: If Kirby got mad at me, I would be so sad. Well, he's a little devious
0: so He's a fighter. Um, this is from Spooky Donkey. If you and Ian were tag team wrestlers... What would your team name and dual finishing moves be? Would Frank, would, <laughs> would Frank be your manager? <laughs> I actually, I'd be me and Frank with Ian as the manager. I think that'd be a better uh, combination. Yeah. But, um, let's see, what would it what be? What, what, demolition device? Uh, what, what, would you, what do you think? What, what, Legion of Dooms finisher. Oh, device? Oh, my God, yeah, Doomsday or, device. Oh, that was Demolition Devastator, is that what it was? The 3D was always... 3D is cool. I,
1: liked the, I always liked the 3D um yeah i would probably want to go total elimination two. to total
0: sweep uh like uh like leg kick
1: thing sleep to sweep to jump kick like the two coming the one guy you. sweeps the other guy does the, kick yeah, in the yeah, yeah 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 who one did of the, one who, of the who, tag
0: teams in nxt is using that right now that's a pretty cool one uh spike pile driver no um <laughs> uh wow there's another one what were your favorite oh what were your favorite what was the, what was the name of our team Certainly and deadly. What was he? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you decide which one is like, which. Like power and glory.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, well, this is from at Chris Roberts. What, who was your favorite wrestling manager? Bobby the Brain Heenan. No one else came close.
1: Yeah, that's my answer. And he said
0: heel and face. Face managers stink.
1: Yeah, don't really like Captain Lou. He was okay,
0: but no. Jimmy Hart as a face manager stunk with WCW with Hogan.
1: Was Lita... Lita was technically a manager for a while. Yeah. Was that what she faced? Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. She yeah, was, she was face. Was I, I, I always liked Lita. Or valet versus manager. Now they're just all valets and it's boring as hell. Except for Zeb. Zeb Coulter's great with the real Americans in, in uh, WWE. He's fantastic mm. with his big mustache. Uh, we answered this one about where first-time game store owners get their stock from their collection what they've acquired yeah. personally. It's not like you can go out and buy one so, you know start a business start your own retro game store franchise we'll give you 10,000 merchandise to start now it doesn't work retro that store starter kit
1: 13 copies of Super Mario Brothers 1, 2, and 3 Sonic the Hedgehog 1 and 2 that alone
0: yeah. in this day and age we think it'd be impossible to want to get into it it seems like it'd just be a heartache to get into it at this point yeah
1: I mean I know people through the internet who have been building up collections and I think that their uh, intention is to open a store and that's great and the people who I know who are doing this, uh, one of them was a regular listener but I don't know if he would want me to necessarily Uh call him out by name but uh, I think his intention with his collection is eventually to open a
0: store and he's going to have enough games to do it and that's the right way to do it but what's the margin going to be at that point because nowadays you you go on websites nowadays like eBay lots you look at what, what people are paying for them, and I know it's competition from resellers well, that's that, what's, what's the margin when you open the store you have to basically
1: start at a zero sum don't look at what you put into it because that's what you did is what sure. you wanted to do for a while What you ha- and it's like I stressed before you have to make sure you have enough to gain the notoriety that people get- will come sure. into you and give you
0: more that said though you're still looking at that, you want to make money for a few years no Probably not
1: Traig made money I mean when Traig Opened the store He worked it Seven days a week For about three years With like two days
0: Off a year Seriously That's how he worked it And that's so they, how he made money So I don't think People can afford it You can't I mean unless you're In a place where cheaply really rank uh, rent, Yeah And he did that In really 2003
1: cheap. So yeah Doing that now In mean, 2003
0: was fine right. even, even probably five years ago You'd still be in decent shape uh, But nowadays Woo Yeah I'm not going To dissuade anyone But it's, it's going it's to be A tough. difficult thing to do now uh, what do you think about clone consoles in the future? Do we think we'll see clones of the N sixty four, etc.? It's possible. I don't think, I don't think that systems are going to be so huge that you're not gonna be able to get an N sixty four readily available. No, N sixty four are like fifteen dollars at this point.
1: Let's get it. No, yeah. they're not. Then they're getting a lot harder to keep in stock. I've sold out of N64s twice already this year. I didn't sell out of of them at all last year. I
0: guess it depends on how much it's going to cost to produce those things.
1: Well, my understanding is that the N64 is a very weird machine on the inside, so I don't know how easy it's going to be to clone it. I mean, emulation for it is still far from perfect.
0: If you want to answer this one. At Machine Games TX, what does Ian think of the Super Rift Brothers show? Will we ever hear him on it? Stoked for the next episode. We'll hear you on Super Rip Brothers. Maybe I, in the future. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see what happens that project in the summer. We're gonna come back to it and see if that possibly doing a season two. If you can bring back one any old console to continue making games, which one would it be? Uh hell, turbo graphics, not enough games.
1: I would say turbo or dreamcast. I would have loved to have seen like the Dreamcast finish out of Toronto.
0: And we're just about almost done. We'll do a few more. The same people are asking questions and I I have to limit have the same person unfortunately asking eight questions then you know, we'll never we'll never get out of here and go home um, which is something I need to do I'm on fumes speaking of simple minds and don't you forget about me what's your favorite John Hughes movie Tr- is Trains Plains and Automobiles a John Hughes movie I believe so then that probably be mine um, Breakfast Club is fun too.
1: yeah I hated it when I was a teenager and I love it as an adult uh, um, it's Breakfast Club
0: from at Retro Gaming Expo is Ian coming to Portland for PRGE? That's the Portland Retro Gaming Expo for 2014. Smiley face. I would love to do some live
1: reads for you guys again during <laughs> the, the marathon, because uh, that was fun. Um, no, I really want to go. Everything Pat told me about the Portland Retro Gaming Expo makes it sound fucking fantastic. I, it's the week after my wedding. I am literally going to be on my honeymoon.
0: So, Chuck, you can send me that check now. No, <laughs> So, yeah, maybe next year, May 2015.
1: Yeah. No, I really want to go. I mean, I've, I've just heard nothing but good things about it. I really want to check it out. Next year will probably have to be the year for me. Uh, you guys have
0: any suggestions for N64 games that are good and usually cheap? N64 games that are good and usually cheap? Pokemon Snap. I like Pokemon stuff. It's a fun one. I remember playing that a few years I, back. I, I freaking love Pokemon. It's so Snap. dumb the concept, but it's just fun. No, it's an amazing concept. Yeah, you get the, you it, those yeah. rare photos of you know from the yeah.
1: It's fantastic. It's almost always cheap. Um, and the other one that's always always cheap, no matter
0: where you go, is Star Wars Rogue Squadron. Is there a reason you guys and most people hate collecting slash playing sports games? I don't. I don't hate playing sports games. I like. I, what? I just said I got FIFA 14. <laughs> I, I love baseball stars. I think. Well, I think there's a lot of gamers that. I mean, this is a stereotype, but I think there's a, a chunk that didn't grow up with sports, maybe, so that they could be averse because of that. Right. Um, there's also a bad reputation for the Madden games being the same every year, and that the the bro culture... Those Madden games are good games, though. I mean, they're... No, they're not. Uh, the, 2K, a, the 2K the two K
1: football games yeah, were the, the game!
0: You, you hipster.
1: No, I'm not a hipster! It's what I played! I played it every year! I fucking hate Madden! I tried playing it in 2008! This was, like, six games since that, Or whatever. Right. i vote.
0: They, they, they wouldn't sell if they were shitty games. I don't care that they're only no, games. That they no, I, I mean, they're not shitty games.
1: My thing is, I don't hate sports games. I, I, uh, I play them. I actually like getting lost in a season mode, even if I'm playing as a crappy team, losing all the time. Go on. So, so, I just, I mean, my whole thing is, from my standpoint, why do I hate sports games? Because they are like roaches. They plague used game stores. That's why I don't like them. Because they come out on a yearly basis, and people dump them. So, I mean, I just, you end up with too many.
0: This is asked twice in a row. I want to know how Ian feels about DuckTales HD Remake. You promised to play the damn game and you still have it.
1: No, I haven't, but I'm... You I'm, promised back in
0: September to play it.
1: I don't feel any animosity towards it anymore. I mean, we've gotten to that point in our
0: relationship. <laughs> it's been I, six, seven months. We're just going to live and let live. Jesus Christ. Uh, what's, what is a video game that you wanted so much but you couldn't get it from, from uh, Kirkland? A video
1: or, game that I wanted so much but couldn't get it?
0: Yeah, maybe as a kid, I guess. Was there one you couldn't get. I wanted Super Mario uh, 3 or 2 so badly, and I just never got it. I just never got it. I, I don't know why I never got it. Especially Super Mario 2. You know how many times I rented Super Mario 2? I probably rented it as Kill like eight times. Never beat it. You'd probably get to the fourth or fifth world, and I just never got the game. I don't understand why. I never asked for it.
1: Rocky cats, uh, rocking Cats Cats would probably be my answer, but the thing was, I didn't. not. I don't, I don't think it was, a, it was because I didn't ask my parents for it. It was. I just rented it so many times, that I kind of felt like I never really needed to own it, and then, you know, I found myself wanting it very frequently after that, and I couldn't get a hold of it. Um, I remember asking for Super Mario Bros. 3, I think, for Christmas one year, not getting it, but forgetting it for my birthday in the summer. I didn't ask for a lot of video games. I mean, by the time I figured out the whole Santa Claus thing and what money was, I was like, yeah, my parents don't have the money for this shit, so... I, 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 picked, I picked wisely and usually got what I wanted.
0: I think that's it. We, we did this for two hours, almost on the dot. No, a little less. We covered a lot of topics. That's going to wrap it up. We're going to see you in three weeks. We'll see you around see you around April 23rd. Uh, what the next, am I going to do? For the next Completely necessary Podcast with my buddy Ian Ferguson. So long. <laughs> I'm Pat Contry. For more Ninja Turtle shenanigans, we'll see you next time, guys. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>